This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 34 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. And my name is John, last I checked. Excellent. Excellent. We know who each other are. We know who we are in ourselves. So let's podcast about stuff we watched this week. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Seems to be working for us so far. (laughs) It does. So, John. Yes, Michael. That ever-burning question that's on the minds and hearts and souls of everyone listening in. What did you watch this week? So much stuff. Although, this was a week when I really started to um, contemplate letting go more shows. Not, Oh, yeah. Not just to lighten my load, but there were a few of them that, for me personally, are on their last legs. Um, so, it, I might watch like one or two more episodes, if that, but... I think that my load will be lightened soon. For me, designated survivor frequency and exorcist are one hundred percent gone off the list. Yep. It's just meh meh meh. Um Yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a, I had a good I added a new show this week. I know you added a new show this week. I think it's the same show. <laughs> yep, I think you're right. Um but but otherwise, yeah, I've lightened the load myself. Uh, I want more time to watch other stuff besides, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I still love Designated Survivor. I'm I'm in the opposite camp as you. Uh, Exorcist went away a while ago, and uh, yeah. Frequency is definitely on the fence for me. I yeah. I'm giving it basically one more episode, but it is when you have a show like Timeless that's doing yep. it so well. Oh my goodness, what a great show! And then you have a show like uh, Frequency that I keep reminding myself is so CWE that it like it could be the poster child for the way the network used to be terrible. Yep. Um, it's more nine hundred two one zero than anything. It, th- I, I'm just going to jump right in. This week's episode of Frequency yep. um, it, it featured the alternate timeline thing. So basically, uh, they. In the modern times, they responded to a call of a guy who was shot dead, and she remembers both timelines. So in this timeline, he was shot dead, but in the timeline where her dad died, on her first day on the job, she was partnered with the um, the guy who betrayed her father. You know, I, I can't remember his name, but he... Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's like the captain now or the lieutenant. Right, um, right, right. So her first day of training, she was partnered with him when her dad died. And in this reality where her dad lived, she was partnered with her dad. They went and checked on this guy on her first day and found him alive and fine and questioned him about a couple of things. But in the other reality, they found him dead on her first day. So she remembers him being dead back then, and now he's dead in the present as well. So we kept jumping back and forth between her remembering the alternate reality and her remembering this reality. And the one thing that was consistent in both of them was that she was a jerk. 
<laughs> and and that's the thing. I'm taking uh, all sexism out of this. I'm not going to say, oh, she was a bitch or, oh, she was an asshole. I'm saying she was a jerk. She is a jerk of a character. This woman has very little redeeming quality to me. She picks on people. She's mean to people. She pushes them all away. She has her own agenda. And she acts like she's above everything else. Even on her first day, she was acting like she was better than everybody else, despite what reality she was in. And between that and the fact that the show just doesn't seem to want to get out of its own way, like it won't hurry up and get to the point. Like, what are they going to do when they solve the Nightingale murders? Is there still going to be a show? What are they going to be trying to solve then? Who cares? So that's why I said they got like one episode left in me, and it's going to re- be a reluctant one of that. Well, you know, just listening to you talk about it last week and the week before and now this week, it makes me very confident that not watching it is the way to go. <laughs> the, the only good thing that came out of this episode was we got the twist reveal that nobody could have seen coming at the end that, um, you know, the lieutenant is still a uh, corrupt creep in this reality, but Satch is working for him. Ooh, nobody saw that coming. Oh, it's a big shocker. Oh, lame. Yeah, terrible. Just terrible. Yeah. Terrible. You know, one thing I want to touch on that I watched this week that is unrelated to our normal lineup. Okay. Um, and it doesn't fit, uh, the other podcast I do, the wrestling one is I watched the World Series game seven. Oh, and yeah, that kind of messed up all the recordings that day. The World Series messed up a lot of things the last couple of weeks. Like, we haven't had Lethal Weapon on for a while, and I actually do enjoy that show. Yep, yep. But uh, I just want to quickly note that I'm, I, I like baseball quite a bit. Primarily, I can only watch the Red Sox because I can't just watch any baseball game and enjoy it. Not like football where I can watch any football, any NFL game, and I'm I'm happy as a – Clam and whatever they're happy in water, I guess. Uh, but anyways, that was one of the best baseball games I have ever seen begin to end. I just want to touch on that. That's it. And does that include uh, the classic baseball games that we got to watch in movie Major League? It does. It does overcome even those. Wow. <laughs> But no, it was just it was just a darn good baseball game. It had pretty much everything in it, you know. With the Cubs in the lead, they blow the lead. It ties. They go into extra innings. There's a rain delay before the extra innings. You know, they win it in extra innings. I mean, it was just a great story. It's been 108 years, on and on and on. Um, but yeah, it was just a really good show, really good season, and um, solid. Yeah, wasn't it 108 years because they were cursed by a guy who brought a goat onto the field? No, they, what it was is they, the guy would bring the goat to the games, and it was when they told him he could no longer bring the goat to the games. Yeah. That's when they stopped winning. Yeah. That's where the curse of the goat came in. Well, uh, I'm glad to see that they got over it. I'm glad that it was a good game. You know, that's the thing is uh, when it comes to a big championship like that, especially one where it's two teams like the Cubs and yeah. the Indians, where it's right. like, wow, where did these two come from? It, well, the Indians you, haven't been there in 67 years. Yeah, you, know? you want it yeah. to be a good story, not a shutout, you know, not over after three, four games. Well, okay, it'd be four games for the World Series. Right. But, like, the Red Sox, when they finally made it in 2004, the biggest thing was the uh, ALCS against the Yankees. Once they won that, they steamrolled the St. Louis Cardinals in four games in a very 
uneventful, almost forgettable World Series. Yep. Because the ALCS coming back three games to one was such a dynamic, explosive thing that the World Series was just kind of meh that year. Yeah. So, anyways, I sorry to derail us on that. I just wanted to nope. bring it up because it was such a darn good game. That's fine. And that is the reason that a number of shows this week, like if you looked at their guides, it said that it was a brand new episode. Criminal Minds was one of them. Bull was one of them. And then it would be a repeat, like an older repeat. Or like Lethal Weapon. Yep. Yep. And then I don't think none of the Sunday shows were on this past week, you know, like Family Guy Simpson Center Zorn, anything right. like that. That was all blown out of the water. Anything Fox related was completely blown out of the water because of the World Series. Yep. So Yeah. Which is it is what it is. It's all over now. That's right. But uh yeah. So um I just want to dive into the new show. Sure. And I know it's the same for you. It's Stan against evil. Yes, it is. And what was your opinion of John C. McGilling's character, Stan? Uh, he was Dr. Cox after he got done at Sacred Heart. Pretty much, yeah. It was Dr. <laughs> Cox retired as a, as a, a doctor and then a, became a police officer. Yeah. <laughs> He's I just, loved it. He, it was, it was so him. He was the most John C. McGinley character I've ever seen oh. him play. Unbelievably, the most Johnson McGinley character I've ever. <laughs> I mean, from the opening scene, which is actually a cutaway to like 24 hours later in the episode, but Something you know, like when that, he walks yeah. out there and he's like, "Fantastic! I've been the sheriff for 28 years. Never once been burned at the stake. You've been here for a week, and already they get you strung up to be burned at the stake. That's fantastic." <laughs> yeah. And then he gets attacked, and he goes, "Ow!" And then yeah. it cuts to, "Geez, lady, didn't anybody ever tell you you look like a barrel of asshole?" <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is when the, the part, I don't know if it was episode one or two, because there's two episodes on. Yeah. Sadly, we've already seen two of eight episodes. Yeah, and they're going to be two a week. So. I know, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be over before the end of November, sadly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love the part, I don't know if it was episode one or two, when he was forcing Evie, the new sheriff, to admit that Starsky and Hutch were gay. It was the first episode. <laughs> yeah. That was just, that was... Pretty damn awesome. Yes. Say it. Say, say Starsky it. and Hutch were gay. <laughs> so <sighs> the number one thing coming out of the gate is if you look at any reviews online, like you'll see things that say the biggest problem with Stand Against Evil is that it's already on TV right now as Ash versus Evil Dead. Ash versus Evil Dead is a better Stand Against Evil. Well, and the thing is, you need to take that right out of there, because I'm a fan of both of these shows. Oh, I love both of these shows, but they're not – I don't think they're anything similar. No, they're not. Like, Stand Against Evil, the, the whole concept is that they burned 172 people there. The sheriff burned 172 people there as witches during the uh, witch trial days. And they were yep. cursed so that the sheriff would always be killed in the line of duty um, throughout the generations. And every sheriff was rapidly killed every yep. time they took office, except Stan. And we find out it's because his wife was battling the demons and was able to protect him from from them. Yeah, she, now she's basically show, a witch hunter. Exactly, yes. But the show opens with her funeral, essentially. Yep. After that opening montage of her at the stake, it cuts to they're at the funeral. There's a demon which they're at the funeral who keeps giving him the stink eye, so he attacks her yep. and has a violent outburst, as it says, <laughs> punching her in the face, Nolan Ryan style, the headlock on the side, <laughs> and he's forced to resign. Yep. 
because and, everybody uh, else just sees her as a sweet little old woman. Right, but he sees her as the the demon with the face full of assholes. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and then cut to Janet Varney, who's playing Evie Barrett, the new sheriff in town, which incidentally Janet Varney plays the uh, what's, uh, best friend's sister on You're the Worst. Yes. And so. she, uh, years and years ago, she dated Chris Hardwick. Oh, really? Yep. The, uh, the first time she was on at midnight, he was like, uh, Janet, I was looking up online. It says we used to date each other. And she's like, that is a fact, Chris. I remember that well. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's the new sheriff and she is quickly, I mean, and this is the other thing. She quickly discovers and accepts that there's some sort of demons trying to kill them. Yes. And he somehow quickly accepts this as well, but he is very nonchalant about it. <laughs> because by the second episode, he's still just – he's not preparing or anything. He's sitting no. in his Barca lounger watching, watching TV. TV, drinking a beer. And then he's got his daughter, Debbie, there, whatever. <laughs> uh, Denise, I mean. And um, I'm infatuated with his daughter. I, yeah. She is something special. I, I don't She's know got this – Okay, first of all, the woman is 30 years old who's playing the daughter, and I don't know how old the daughter is supposed to be, but she's got, like, pigtails and glasses, and she's being, I haven't seen you in a week. I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten in five days. I haven't eaten since the funeral. she talks all nasally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'm not sure about her. Uh, I do like the fact that (laughs) in the second episode, they're trying to defeat the goat, which throws to a tall demon, and so he tapes hairspray to it? Yes. Somehow, and then he's going to shoot it. So they they say the Jaws line, smile, you son of a bitch, and then he gets knocked down. Yep. And then the sheriff goes to say it, and he's like, I've already said it. And she's like, well, I'm going to say it now. That's right. And, yeah, and then the daughter then finally is the one to take him down with the weird spoon and fork things, and she says it, but she says it wrong. I mean, it's just great. Yeah, she stabs him, and she's like, I'm going to take you down, you stupid person. They're like, oh. <laughs> um, the other thing I will say, though, is when it comes to the effects, the blood and guts and gore are mostly digital with very little practical, as opposed to Ash yeah. versus Evil Dead, which is 100% practical buckets of blood being dumped on someone's face. Right. This one, I definitely got the idea that they were going more for the the humor and the um, the mysticism Yes, they were for the uh, blood and guts and gore. And yes, I mean, I can see where people see similarities between the two. It's essentially a group of people trying to stop demons or witches or whatever it is you want to call it. So, yeah, it is very similar in nature. I get it. But they're not the same. No, no. Like in this one, they actually keep track. You know, there were 172 witches killed. At the end of the first episode, they kill the hag, and they make mention. They're like, oh, 171 left to go. And then in the second one, you know, now we're down to 170. So, Yeah. But Um, it is only 22 minutes an episode, which is sad. It is, yeah. Because it goes by in a blink of an eye. And it's it's funny. Like, it's really – if you've ever watched Scrubs and you love Dr. Cox as a character, then you should watch this show just based on that. Otherwise, it is a fun romp of supernatural, you know, shenanigans and – Yes. Like Mike was saying, you know, it's silly, but in the second one, they discover that, you know, the pendant to ward off the the second witch is across – it's basically salad-serving stuff. It's a fork and a spoon, big wooden ones. 
that are hanging in the kitchen of their house. And they're like, well, why didn't we ever take the, why didn't I ever notice these? Well, the, there's no salad big enough for those things. You know, it was ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. Um, but the other thing too is like, okay, so both John C. McGinley's character, Stan, and Bruce Campbell's character, Ash, are over the top characters, but they're completely different styles of over the top characters. Yes. Stan is an over the top, laid back, doesn't care about anything, doesn't care about anyone, but he clearly does, you know, kind of blowhard. And Ash is an egotistical, you know, misogynistic. Uh, hedonistic. Hedonistic, yes. Egotistical, hedonistic, porn dog type of a guy. Yeah. I mean, like completely different type of over the top blowhards. Right. He is all about the women and the drugs and the alcohol and the partying, whereas Stan would rather just sit in his chair and drink a and beer watch and watch TV. TV. Usually yeah. stupid TV. Um, but yeah, so it's, I love both shows and, uh, I've been looking this up and is Stand Against Evil, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's an original idea. I didn't find a book, a comic, I didn't see anything it was based on. No, it's an original idea and it's created by Dana Gould, which is interesting. Right. He, he's a, yeah. he's a comedic superpower, you know, wrote for The Simpsons for a while and, and he's a great guy, but I never expected something like this to come out of him. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, but yeah, so only eight episodes, two already down. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Needs it's, to be watched. It's on IFC. Yeah, that's the only hard needs part. Needs to be watched. Is yeah. IFC makes it kind of hard to find it. They're good at that. Yeah. But yeah, so watch it, watch it, watch it. <laughs> I love in the second episode when she was like, let's go blueberry picking. And he's like, oh, I don't want to do that. That sounds terrible. God. She goes out there. She picks a whole bucket of blueberries. The goat follows her home. And she gets in there and he's like, now, honey, next time you're going to go blueberry picking, let me know. Because there is nothing that I would rather do than go out blueberry picking with you. You know how much I love it. And she just stands there like, well, but I asked. He's like completely over her head. It's awesome. It's a great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as long as we're talking about that, we might as well go right into Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, if we have to. I know. Twist your arm. So this was a uh, – go ahead. I was going to say this was a very self-contained episode. It was yes. – it reminded me of several other shows that have done stuff like this where the whole episode takes place inside the police precinct. They're locked yes. in. The evil is in there with them somehow. You know, Bale is here. Sorry, they say Ball. I say Bale. Ball, yeah. Ball is there. And uh, <laughs> doesn't Ash call him Bill at one point? <laughs> He's like, what are we yes. going to do about this Bill? And they're like, it's Ball. Yes. Yes, he does call him Bill at one point. Um, and it was, it was a good episode, but it was definitely one of those episodes where my notes were minimal because yeah. it's just a very basic kind of thing. I mean, essentially, Ball cuts people's skin off them and wears it and pretends to be them. Yeah. And that, that's kind of graphic. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing he does is he, he kills and embodies the skin suit of a uh, deputy sheriff, female deputy sheriff. And, uh, lady sheriff. Lady sheriff. Ash calls her. Yeah. And, uh, essentially Ash is arrested at the beginning by the sheriff for the murder of Amber. And Amber's friend who was trapped in the, the Delta tries to defend him saying, no, he's one of the good guys. He's here to save us. And of course the dad hates him because Ash used to date his wife back before there. And when they're in high school and he's ashy slashy and on and on and on. But of course, by the end, when the deadites reveal themselves and 
you know, they realize Ash really is the good guy, the hero, even though he's Ash. Yep. So, but uh, the biggest revelation we have in this episode is that we find out that Ruby's mortal. Yeah. Which and she's been kind of hiding. I had a suspicion. Didn't she, like, get, like, in a fire? I, no, I think it that it's since, since season one. Because remember when she came back in season oh. two, she was very different, and she's been a lot more timid. Yes, yeah, she's got that different hair color. Yeah. See, uh, I think that what happened was she became she lost mortal. To, okay, so she became mortal between that seasons one and two. All right, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, that's the big revelation that is is that we find out is that Ruby's actually mortal. Yep. And um, and something's going on with Pablo. He's got. Something on his chest. It's almost like he's becoming the Necronomicon. Yeah. First, it was just like boils and cysts. And so, of course, Ash had to let him know that he's had plenty of rashes in his day all over the place. His butt crack, his butt hole, his butt cheek. But uh, then some Sumerian writing appears on on Pablo's stomach. So it's almost like he's becoming the book. Yeah. Ruby definitely says, you know, you're going to be our only hope of stopping Ball. Yeah. And uh, I think we're what we're – there's 11 episodes in the season? 10. Well, there were 10 in the last season, so I assume 10. No, there's 11 because okay. I'm looking at the list right now, and episode 11, which airs December 11th, is called Ash vs. Hank Hill. It's written <laughs> by Sam Raimi. Sorry, it's it's directed by Sam Raimi, and it's written by Mike Judd. Oh, nice. So this is the first I've seen this, and I don't know if it's some sort of bonus episode because, like, the 10th episode is called Second Coming, and it kind of makes sense and everything. Right. Uh, there were only 10 in the first season, so. Yeah, it almost seems like this is like a bonus, but it says, are we going to get a real-life Hank Hill? Like a human form Hank Hill? That would be kind of cool. I mean. I'm excited about this now, actually. <laughs> um, interesting trivia fact. I don't know if you picked up on this, but I looked it up. The The actor who played Ball, he also played Lucifer. In Xena, Warrior Princess. So um, that doesn't surprise me. Nice That's little tie to Lucy Lawless there. And yeah. he was Strife in Hercules, the new adventures legendary, there. The legendary journeys. Mm-hmm. I was a fan of both of those shows back in the day. The the action, action packed, the action zone. Yeah, so he's had ties to both of them. I kept waiting for an inside joke on it, but, you know, or like her calling him the devil or something. That would have been cool, but... <laughs> That is funny. He played Lucifer. Now yep. he's just of hell. Yep. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, now, I'm really stuck on this Ash versus Hank Hill by Mike <laughs> Judge. Well, it'll be interesting to see what rolls around on December 11th. I'm very excited about December 11th now. Anyhow, but yeah, so you're right. It was a contained episode, and yeah. It was good. It, it was very basic, but it was good. There's some killing in it. Yep. People get splatted in blood. A chainsaw is used. I mean, it's 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 Ash versus Evil Dead. It's awesome. <laughs> it's still awesome as can be. Exactly. Um. So now the majority, like, I probably have more notes on Westworld than on like four or five other shows combined. Um, Westworld was a big noter for me as well. It was a heavy-handed episode. Like there was a lot going on. Uh, yeah. Um, and it, in, 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 uh, I can't think of the word I want to use, but in, um, 
whatever. It seemed to focus on one story primarily. It didn't jump around a lot. Right. Like past episodes. Like we did not spend a lot of time at all in the underground or off world, whatever you want to call it. Um, we did spend some time there. We spent some time with the man in black. But most of this episode was William Logan and Dolores and Pariah. Yeah. Yeah. And that in and of itself started off very interestingly. Yeah. That you know? town. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, one of my notes is, guess I spoke too soon on the limited nudity in this show. This episode has a tremendous amount of gratuitous sex and nudity. And they planned it that way. Like multiple articles showed up online talking about how hard it was to, no pun intended, to uh, create that scene and the, the subsequent scenes around it and how they did Pariah just right because it's essentially a debaucherous orgy. The whole town is. I mean, like, when they first get into town, the first thing you kind of see is it's a big wide shot of the town. Yep. And there's naked people everywhere. There's some guy having sex with a girl inside of a wagon, a carriage. Like, that's kind of – and that's not even a focal point. That's just kind of off to the side type of thing. And then there's – like, and everyone's painted in gold. Yeah. Well, a lot of them. Like, but then there's also things like you've got um, corpses. You know, there's people that are laid up in coffins, but they're just kind of out there. Well, that kind of was like that in the West. Yeah, but it, put, it almost well, seemed like another sexual component to this. Yes, it was really right, weird. Did. And I don't. I feel like that there's definitely not many guests in that area. That it was primarily all made up of hosts. They did say that. They said that a lot of people don't make it out that far. Yeah. So, um, real quick, I just want to talk about Dr. Ford and the man in black. Yeah. So, um, so, um, yeah, sorry. I apologize. Real quick, the stray actually. Okay. The stray that had wandered off fell in the canyon we find that uh, Shannon Woodward's character finds a satellite link-up device embedded in its arm. Yeah. So the stray had been delivering, and I'm guessing what the Orion was, the fourth star was the satellite, and that's how he knew where to point yes. the link for the satellite hookup. So it's sending information off-world, quote-unquote. So that to me means they're not in a dome. They are outside mm-hmm. somehow, and it is it is controlled environment still somehow or wherever they are is a very controlled tempered place like the west mm-hmm. um <coughs> excuse me possibly so that was a big thing did you have anything on that part uh i still i agree with what you're saying um i still posit though that it could be uh a virtual reality and they're still using that as like an access node you know, the access node is in the fourth star in the sky yep. type of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, there was definitely, it was very interesting because they kind of switched away from it really quickly. Like they told us that and it's like, ooh, that's a big thing. And then we don't hear about it again for the rest of the episode. Yeah, right. Again, it's still the primary focus is William and Logan and Dolores and Pariah. And that Asian tech who was trying to fix the bird. Yes. That that was kind of an odd thing because we had never met this guy before. Yeah. And they're talking about how, you know, oh, you want to be in behavior or something because he has a what looks like a dead bird, but apparently it's one of the virtual birds. 
Yes, his name is Felix. Yeah. The Asian guy, and he's trying to fix this damaged virtual bird. Which was very interesting. Yeah, and they keep cutting to him, like, just for briefly, though. Yeah. But when they cut to him, essentially him, he's got to go fix a new body, and it's always Maeve. Yes. So Maeve is getting killed a lot, and he makes a point of saying how Maeve, and Maeve is the black hooker, by the way, everybody, how Maeve is getting killed a lot. And the other guy's like, ah, so what? This is what happens. And he's like, no, this is suspiciously too much. Right. Yeah, Um, it's almost like, does she have a target painted on her back, or is she starting to ingratiate herself into combat type of thing? Right, because we don't see anything she's doing in Westworld. We only see her dead body repeatedly right? um, in the underground labs there. I thought it was very interesting. One thing that I picked up on when those two were talking, uh, when they were going over Maeve's body the first time, the two texts there, one of them talked about how uh, what he said was, I've got a nubile redhead loaded up in the VR tank. Yeah. So he's going to go off and, and, yes, the VR tank, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, which is very interesting. Like, why would they have a VR tank? What, uh, you know, what do they do? Are they testing these guys in a closed environment? Okay, well, remember how we kept talking about how Dolores would, um, like, appear yes. and talk to, uh, I can't think of the, the black doctor's name. Yep. Whatever. Talk to him Arnold. a lot. And you're like, you, you know, huh? Not Arnold. Arnold was the. Um, Arnold was the dead partner. Yeah. He's the dead partner. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Ford is Anthony uh, Hopkins' character. Yep. But anyhow, so he keeps saying, like, Dolores is in a dream. Dolores is in a dream. Well, she's in Pariah, and she's walking away from William and Logan because of something that just happened. Yep. A shootout, I believe it was. And all of a sudden, her eyes roll back, and she collapses, and then she's now talking to Dr. Ford, and she's in a dream. Mm-hmm. So so this is, this is my theory on this. Okay. They are real. They're in the real world, quote unquote, but their minds can be accessed to those VR chambers, and that's how they pull them in to talk to them like that. That's what I'm thinking that is now. Gotcha. Because the rooms they're in are very nondescript rooms that's almost like it's black all the way on the outside. Like there's nothing else around except the room they're in, which has these kind of makeshift walls that, that look you almost can like see glass. Yeah, yeah, they're glass, but you, but there's still designs in them of some kind or shapes, but you can't see anything. So now I'm thinking that she, he said that VR chamber. So that made me think, all right, that's how they're talking to them while they're in 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 the park, in the amusement park, if you will. They're accessing their memory in this VR thing, and that's why they're presented in front of them. Why Doctor Ford sees them naked and others see them with clothes on must be just preference. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Um. But it was interesting because he pulled her in to talk to her, and then when they were done, it was like it was the next morning, and she was waking up, and things were okay again. Right. Well, she had an awful lot of those because she had her little side-to-side chat with uh, Anthony Hopkins at one point, too. That's Dr. Ford. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that was an interesting conversation in and of itself because that's when he asked her, you know, when was the last time you talked to Arnold? And she's like, you know, 34 years, so many months, so many weeks, so many days. Yeah, yeah. And it was the day he died and he told her. He's like, you were going to help him destroy this place. Yes. And then after he leaves, you hear her talking to herself but like someone saying – 
don't worry, I didn't tell him anything. Yeah, he doesn't know I didn't tell him anything. He doesn't, yeah. So, yeah. And then we got another interesting line from those texts. One of them kind of flippantly said, personality testing should have weeded you out in the embryo. So what does that mean? Wait, who was that said to? It was the text. One of them was talking to the other one, and he had made some kind of comment, some kind of rude comment oh. or something. And the other guy said, uh, personality testing should have weeded you out in the embryo, which the only way to huh. really take that I can see is, you know, creating humans, creating life. But these were the texts that were working there. So interesting. Are we talking people that have been specifically genetically created to work in this place? Hmm, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It really got it's, me scratching my there's head. There's a lot of little comments that, that happen in the show that makes you think. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So the man in black. Yeah. Whatever reason he decides that Teddy is his guide and not Lawrence. Yeah. So he slits Lawrence's neck. Strings him up, drains his blood out, and puts it into Teddy to get Teddy back going. After sending that weird little kid that Anthony Hopkins yes. ran into off yeah. to fetch water, yeah, and he's like, "We got a full water skin," and he pours it out on the ground and then uses it to catch all of Lawrence's blood, quote unquote blood. Well, you know, it's funny when he set that thing on the ground and opened it up. I turned to my wife and I said, "Oh, he's going to drain him and give it to Ted." Yep. Oh no, he's not. Oh, oh yeah, he is. You know. <laughs> Um, and but yeah, he seems to know a lot about their physiology. And he even made mention earlier on that when the park first opened, he cut one of them open to see what was going on. And they were more robot than anything. And that they've changed a lot since then. Yes. Now they're like flesh and blood. They're human. And he liked them better when they were mechanical, if you will, than yeah. they are now. Um, but yeah, so here's, here's what I find is super interesting. Okay. Are these timelines, you know, like together? Like, is this all one? And I feel like it is. The Man in Black storyline and everyone else's storyline is all running concurrently. But Lawrence is killed, and then immediately he's in Pariah as Elizo, and, and he's El Lazo or whatever it is, Elizo, the 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 the. the, the the, the gang leader that gets him to steal the nitroglycerin to give the Confederates, and then at the end he says, "My name is Lawrence." When they're on the train, he introduces himself as Lawrence. Yeah. So, but it was an immediate thing. Like he gets drained. Oh, you saw him, and you could see who it was. Like, yeah, yeah. Because he said, "Don't worry, someone will be along to get him shortly," and they they get him up and get him right to Lawrence, right to Pariah straight away. Yeah, he's like he's literally there as the boss of this place. The yeah. one that they were talking about, the reason that they came out here. Remember they said, you know, oh, you found an Easter egg by coming on this stupid hunt because Eliza is one of the biggest, uh, you know, hidden gems in this park. We're yeah. going to go meet him. And it turns out that it's Lawrence. It's Lawrence the whole time. So that's, that, that had me head scratching. Like it made me like, is this really concurrent storylines? But then I'm like, it's gotta be because Dolores is looking for the maze. The man in black is looking for the maze. So they, they, I, they're going to meet up eventually. Yeah. And I think I think Dolores is going to kill him. She's going to remember all the atrocities that he's committed on her. Yep. He's going to kill him. She's going to kill him. I think it's quite possible, yep. Well, because we saw the man in black met up with Dr. Ford, a.k.a. Anthony Hopkins' character, at that bar when he had Teddy there mm -hmm. after filling Ted up with uh, Lawrence's blood. Yep. And interestingly enough, man in black pulls his knife, you know, and, and teases, if you will, that he's going to – 
take out Anthony Hopkins, and immediately Teddy grabs him. Yes. Grabs like the knife right in his bare hand. Right, exactly. And stops him. Yeah, that was very interesting. Yeah. It, it was also um, one of the things that really got me going. Like I said, this was a heavy episode. One of the things that got me going was when they had the melee um, over in Pariah, those Union soldiers actually were choking out the guy in the black. Oh, the Confederate. Oh, yes, the Union soldiers. Yes, when they met up with them to steal the nitroglycerin. Yeah. Yeah. And they, like he was going to pass out. He was going down for the count. And, and these goes, guys aren't supposed to be able to hurt the guests. Well, but remember when William got punched in the face and William even, or he got shot and William said, I thought they weren't supposed to be able to hurt us. And Logan corrected him. Well, no, they can't kill you. Right. So what was the plan there? Were these guys going to choke him out until a certain point and then say, oh, okay, well, now we have to stop because he could die from it? Probably the program would have made them stop before he died. Probably. But it was still a lot more active, successful aggression than we've seen against well, dude, against. Look at the end of the episode when the Confederates have Logan. Yeah. And they're laying a beating on him. Yep. And he looks at William and he says, help me. And William leaves him. Which probably was the best move that he's made in a while. Well, I mean, come on. The guy just basically shit all over him at one point, saying that the only reason why he brought him on is because he's a non-threat to him. Yeah. And that he only made executive vice president because of him. And basically he called you know, called him a wuss and said that he is – yeah. Yeah, he said you've peaked. You're no threat to anyone. Yeah, he's a meaningless nothing who yep. – is so happy to have his little tiny title and he just belittled him and then, you know, help me. Man, he left him because <laughs> normally those characters morally would go back and help him. Right. But he didn't this time and I'm happy for it. <laughs> so we also saw the maze show up two more times. Once when Dolores was having her fortune read by somebody who, when she looked back at her, turned out to be herself. Yes. And then the maze was also carved onto the coffin of Lawrence's buddy there that got killed yes. during the heist. Yes. Yes. Because I, they stole the nitroglycerin from the Union soldiers, and they allegedly were going to give the nitro to the Confederates. But instead, they replaced it with tequila, and then they filled the, all those dead bodies we saw earlier. They pumped them full of the nitroglycerin. Right. And, and they have them on the train, and I don't know where they're going with them. But they're not, going somewhere. Probably not the best way to transport nitroglycerin in a body on a rickety train. I almost feel like it's safer sloshing around inside of a corpse than it is inside of a glass bottle chiming against another glass bottle. Well, let's hope so. But, of course, they find out that the nitro is not there when they drunkenly play a game of toss the bottle of nitroglycerin back and forth to each other. Right. And then one of them drops it, and no one, and then they all are still alive. <laughs> right, which is yeah, when the beating comes in. Yeah, which is when they, they attack William and Logan and Dolores. And then that's when, like, William shoots one and gets overrun, and then all of a sudden, like, bam, 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 Dolores takes them all out. Yep. And my thought is that the reason why the, the hosts didn't go after her is because they, they didn't look at her as a threat, knowing that she can't do anything. Right. And so they left her, and then she killed them all. And even William said, how did you do that? And then she said, I had it written down. I can't remember what she said that made her do it. But yeah. I didn't write it down. I was just looking at my notes. No. I did. She said something, and it was kind of like she was talking like she was somebody else. It's like she became somebody else. And then after she said it, she snapped back too. 
um, to being herself and was like, oh, my goodness, we've got to get at it. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's like she became someone else briefly. It's a very confusing show. It's yeah, a very thought-provoking it's so show. Good. And it's so good. Like, we learned, essentially, that the man in black's last name is Flood, because he called yep. him Mr. Flood. And yep. he claims that he's the reason that Arnold didn't tear down the entire place. Yes. Because Arnold was going to destroy the whole place. Monetary contribution, it yep. seems like. And that's why he probably goes there all the time. Which was also interesting because then you have the parallel with, you know, the guy in white and the guy in black. And the guy in black is saying that, that his company was thinking about buying this park because it's apparently hemorrhaging money. He yep. said that earlier on in the episode. Now you've got the man in black, you know, lending credence to the time reality swapping thing that, you yeah. know, now we've got this man in black, kind of like the other man in black oh who gosh. paid money to. <laughs> what if their stories aren't concurrent then? What if Logan, the man in black, who's buying the company or whatever, is the man in black in the future and now an older man? That's what I'm saying. You know, it's possible <sighs> that he, you know, in this journey with Dolores looking at the maze and stuff like that. And then we see him in the future still looking for the maze. Which would maybe ex- explain why – because Dolores is looking for the maze. The man in Logan is not. No. But he's got a thing for Dolores. Like William has a thing for her like romantically. He has a thing for her like, oh, I can just kill her at any time. And maybe that's why he terrorizes her the way he does every year after this. If he If he is in fact the same person. Right. Because of – what happened another layer to the onion oh, i didn't even think of that till just now and then of course we ended on a twist where you know felix the oh, lab wait. tech hold on a second okay dolores kissed william as well yes they yes, kissed which he's engaged or married or whatever and so he's already said he's not going to engage in any behavior like that but he's they engaged kissed. to his buddy's sister yeah 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 so yeah so <sighs> all right then Go we ahead, end please. with Felix fixing the bird. It flies around. He's all happy with himself. He turns around. Maeve is now sitting up on the slab. Nobody took her out of sleep mode. She's sitting up, looks at him and says, hi, Felix. It's time you and I had a chat. And the bird's on her finger. Yep. And that's it. The episode ends. Like I did watch the scenes from next week at the end of it. Okay. I did not. But I don't, th- I don't think I'm going to talk about it. Okay. It was more of... Hey, where's the Roku remote? Oh, I can't shut it off. I'm not paying attention. Oh, crap. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a show that I don't want to see what's coming on next yeah. because I want to let it percolate like it did for me this week. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it's, it's one of my favorite. It's one of the shows I look forward to watching a lot. Yes. Yes, and I've got a couple different people outside of this podcast who will message me and say, "Well, what about this? What do you think about this?" And you know, it, so it's also a very fun one to talk about. Well, I was listening to uh, Nerdy Legion episode a week or so back, whatever, and, and Nick and, and Martin were talking about how they haven't watched it, but they're thinking about watching it, and I just can't encourage them enough to watch it. I agree with that. If they're listening to this, it really is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I was actually, yeah. I was watching Falling Water tonight and, and I'm on like episode four. This does tie back to it. Trust me. And, uh, it, 
it's kind of losing me. And so I started looking up online. I was like, are there other reviews out there? And one review was talking about it and they were saying that there are shows out there like Lost, basically the JJ Abrams shows like Lost yeah. and like Westworld where there's a mystery. But the thing is, you're not so upset about not knowing the mystery because you're enjoying the journey with the character development and the build on the characters in the world. You're enjoying it so much that who cares? If they answer all your questions right now or not. Yep. That's ah, true. And so that's one of the joys of this show is that, yes, there's a mystery, but it's fun to not know. Whereas something like Falling Water, it's getting annoying not to know. Okay, yep. So definitely, if you like a good mystery, if you like a good lost type thing, um, it, it's much more than just, oh, it's a Western. In fact, it's very little Western at, at its core. You know, we must be giant fans of J.J. Abrams, huh? <laughs> like by default, because, so, you, know, yeah. you know, we enjoyed Alias and mm-hmm. Lost mm-hmm. and Fringe, mm-hmm. you know, and now Westworld, which I realize he's just executive producing. But still, you know, he also did The Force uh, Awakens. Well, well, for TV, I mean, he also oh. did. I like, I liked Undercovers. I liked Alcatraz. I liked Person of Interest. Yeah, and well, he had his hand. In, he had his hand in all of those. And then on the movie side of things, I mean, he's got a hand in a couple of the Mission Impossibles, Star Trek, the new Star Trek resurgence, the new Star Wars resurgence. I mean, yeah. But then he goes and pulls a Cloverfield, and I just didn't like those Cloverfield movies. But you can't hit a home run every time. You weren't a fan of Cloverfield? No. Nope. I thought we wouldn't saw it. I thought you liked it. Nope. I've never – I saw Cloverfield on my own, and I just didn't like it. It was okay, but it wasn't like – I wasn't excited to see it again. I didn't really care. Huh. I was like, yeah, okay. And I hated 10 Cloverfield Lane. Apparently, I'm one of only two people in the world who did, but I just hated it. I didn't – I didn't hate it. I just – I don't ever need to watch it again. Like I said, I'm in the very vocal minority, but yeah. Anyhow, anyway. <laughs> moving onward. Yes. Upward. Yes. Uh, did you watch Elementary this week on Sunday? I did not. I do have them to watch, but I did not watch it. I was watching the World Series. It was another fun episode. You know, they're just, they're standard episodes now. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about, like, Law and Order SVU, Simpsons Family Guy almost, there's a few, a couple other shows, Criminal Minds, where they're just standard episodes, which there aren't bad, but mm-hmm. they're not blowing me out of the water. They're like, oh, dude, you gotta, you know. One of the only really notable notes that I had from this episode was he was meeting up with a kid that he's known since well, he knew him as a kid in like boarding school, and um, it was Rigsby from The Mentalist. And uh, okay. the guy's making fun of him. He's like, "Oh, did you realize that Sherlock originally didn't know that the Earth goes around the sun? He thought the sun went around the Earth." And Sherlock just looked at him and said, "Yeah, I was eight when I made that mistake. You chose to wear that vest this morning." <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a good zinger that I had to write it down. But other than that, it was just a standard episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, which doesn't make it a bad thing. No, not at all. No. So, uh, Timeless. Can we talk about Timeless? <sighs> timeless, yeah. That It was a g- great episode. They went to the Alamo. Very heavy again, you know. Yeah. But this one was more like heavy as in like sad. Yeah. 
they, well, they bring they bring Wyatt in right away at the beginning to say, "Oh, you're being pulled off mission because you can't kill Flynn." Yeah, and I was just like, uh, initially, I was just like, "Son of a," because I hate it when they do these those little storylines like that that they drag out, like, "Oh, we got to find your replacement, or we're looking for him, or on and on and on, or if you don't succeed, we're gonna pull you." Like, I, I hate those little things of peril because to me, it's like when my parents said when we're going on vacation, "If you don't stop fighting, I'm gonna turn this car around." No, you're not. Right. You're not gonna turn this car around. Don't you know that that's not gonna happen. Exactly. So and and that's how I feel about this. Like whenever TV shows do things like this, it's like that idle threat that you know is not going to come true. So it's a waste of time. Why are you doing this? Exactly. Yeah. That being said, of course, before his replacement can get there, they have to take off on another mission. Right. And this is to the Alamo. Yep. And it's funny because you know the woman that is kind of his handler and the lead scientist there they're both like you know usually i'm jealous that they get to go on these missions and i don't but not this time because yeah. they know that everybody everybody died at the alamo yeah. yeah which this time it was set to be even more people yes because Flynn changed things talking to Santa Ana mm-hmm. when it came to like originally Santa Ana was going to let the child, women and children leave, uh, but he changed, but he didn't this time. And then uh, it, the battle commenced three days prior to when it was supposed to. Yep. Um, and this in this alternate world, but also the big thing was is that why was having flashbacks to his time in. Fallujah, I think it was, or Afghanistan, wherever it was, over in the desert in yep. the Middle East, uh, because the Alan, the the ruins of the Alamo. Sorry, they weren't ruins then, but the Alamo represented the ruins that him and his men were hiding out in. Mm-hmm. So we kept having flashbacks of what happened to what happened to him on that mission with this mission, right? So, and he was seeing that you know. The, the six men that he left behind there because they flipped a coin and he had to take the critical intel. Yeah, yes. there were only two unwounded people. The other guy called heads. It turned up tails. So he, Wyatt had to be the one to deliver the critical intel and the other six guys died. Yeah, and, he had to leave his men behind. Yep. And, and now yeah. he's looking at the Alamo as a representation of that. Yes. And of course, I'm like, oh, he's going to have that. At the end, he's going to be like, I'm not going. You guys go out without me. Yep. And, of course, she talked him out of it. I, I have expected the way that they were drumming this up. I really thought that they were going to let him go out and that we were going to get a new actor and a new character. For a brief moment, I also felt the same way. I yep. felt he was going to stay behind and die seeing how he's being fired anyways. Right. And being replaced anyways. It would have been a smooth cut, and it would have explained yes. a lot for the uh, show. You know, He even said it. He's like, I've got nothing left. My wife's gone. I've got no family. It's true. Yeah. Um, so I really thought that they were going to do that, and I was like, good for them. I'm okay with the way that they did it this time, but yes. it would have it would have kept in line with what I've come to expect with Timeless. It's, Anything? Um, it, it was Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because I feel like I learned more about history from this show than from <laughs> most anything else out there. You know, yeah. certainly not from uh, Legends of Tomorrow, but we'll get to no. that in a bit. Yeah. Um but the whole crux of this was the letter that the uh that the general 
General, uh, sorry, Colonel Travis. Yeah, wrote, the victory or death letter. Yes. And, yes. and historically that went out. The Alamo was crushed, but the letter got transposed and put out to everyone in the United States, caused yep. them to rise up and go down a couple of weeks later and destroy Santa Ana, thus creating, uh, Texas, Texas. as a state. And so well, Flynn was trying to out. This is going to sound, part. this is going to make me sound so stupid. The Battle of the Alamo, I didn't realize that at the time that was part of – that was Mexico. Yeah. I thought that was Mexico invading trying to um, conquer land. I didn't realize that that was – the Alamo was basically a revolution. Yeah. That they were – like the people in the Alamo were actually the rebels rebelling against their country. Like, I didn't realize that, like, as a, I guess as a kid growing up or whatever. I didn't, I didn't, I guess I, either I don't remember that or whatever, but I remember reading, watching this episode, and then, of course, I did some reading, and yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were trying to vanquish, you know, a Mexican invasion. I didn't realize that they were rebels, and then that we then conquered Mexico and yeah. took their land. It, uh, <laughs> it ties in with that episode a couple weeks back of Adam Ruins Everything when he was talking about illegal immigrants. And he yeah. said that, you know, Polk basically picked a fight with Mexico so that we could steal Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California, basically everything on the other side of the Mississippi and South was yeah. Mexico. And we picked a fight with them, got them into war so that we could steal all of it and have it be part of the United States. Yep. Didn't realize that. Yep. Or if I did, I don't remember it, but now I do. Because – Again, in America, we're always talking, you know, remember the Alamo, you know, they crushed us, but we went back and crushed them. Well, they crushed us for a reason. <laughs> yeah, that was actually like, I'm not going to say we deserve to lose, but I mean, like, and, 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 and the other thing too is like, they were not even, they were even Americans. Those were technically Mexicans. Right. They were Texicans. Yes. Because they were, they were, they were, that was Texas still, even then, mm -hmm. but it was part of Mexico. And they were trying to succeed from Mexico into the United States or whatever. And anyway, so yeah, so it was just not as I recall. How's that? Yeah. And of course, as you said, you know, at the end, they, they show some solidarity for Wyatt and, you know, Lucy and Rufus. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Lucy stands up and she's like, no, we trust Wyatt. He's ours. You know, we're not going into battle without him. And they're like, yeah, whatever. And then Rufus stands up and he's like, that's right. We're not going into battle without him. And the woman goes, well, Rufus is our only pilot. So, you know, we kind of got nothing about Lucy being the top historian. Yes. Like we can yeah, replace okay. her, right. but yeah. you know, Rufus, eesh, we need that pilot. So, all right, you can have Wyatt. Which, I thought it was odd. He was their only pilot. It's like, do you think they'd be training a backup? Because what if Rufus does get killed on a mission? Right. I thought he's that too. fly him back. Yeah. Before even that, like in the beginning of the episode, I'm like, why isn't he pointing this out? Why doesn't he have an apprentice? And he's like, look, this is what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm making notes in this notebook or you can come along and, and watch me do this. Cause yeah. yeah, he, he's ended up more than anybody else in areas that could kill him. Yeah. Yes. Um, speaking of learning history, mm -hmm. while we're talking about it. Yep. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Are you all done with Timeless? Well, there was one last thing where okay, go ahead. Lucy's mom finally told her about her real biological father and said, I was a junior. He was a professor. He wanted to go into politics. I said I was pregnant. He said all the right things, but I told him I didn't need his help, and I've never seen him since then. Gave her a piece of paper, said, here's his name. 
But we didn't get to see what name was on there. Now, do you think this father is part of Rittenhouse? It's possible, or it's going to be Garcia Flynn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so, anyways, uh, speaking of history, yes. I watched the movie this week. Okay. I watched The Free State of Jones. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so when you watch the trailer, essentially, this is what I thought it was going to be about going into it. It was going to be about Jones County, Mississippi, and how they basically seceded from the Confederacy during the war because of one guy being tired of fighting a war that he didn't believe in. And then uh, the evil, uh, how the Confederates would come through and take people's stuff for the war and everything and tax them and take their property and linens or whatever it is for the war effort, you know. Uh, so anyway, so this is what I thought it was going to be about. And it was, that was a big portion of it. And then like I read up on it afterwards, cause that's what I do when I read something that's, that says it's based on a true story. And there's actually, there's some things they can prove what happened in Jones County, Mississippi. Like one of the things that in the movie they say they did is that they, Jones County declared uh, secession from the South. That they okay. were a free state, that they were not part of the Confederacy, and that they were actually part of they, – they, and they flew the American flag on their town hall, whatever you want to call it. Gotcha. And then they defended their county from the Confederacy, you know, arming now freed slaves and white men that were tired of the war and on and on and on. So that's what essentially they're saying is happening in the movie. And that's what some historians are saying. All right, yeah, this actually did kind of happen. Um, but there's debate on if it really did happen or not. And there's people that wrote some books. One thing that they can definitely say did happen is that – all right, hold on a second. Cat, get away from the cord. One of the things they can that everyone does agree did happen is that Matthew McConaughey's character that he's playing, which is Newton Knight, okay, did exist. He did desert the Confederate Army. He did arm himself in Jones County, uh, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. He did uh, get together with a – his wife left him, and he did get together with a former slave that was his father's slave, and they had several children together. So that's all true. Okay. This is the big thing that I came away from this. During the movie, they kept cutting to 85 years into the future. And the great 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 grandson of of Newton Knight, Davis Knight, is on trial for marrying a white woman. Eighty five years in the future, and he's a great 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 grandson. Maybe that, not so many greats. Okay? I was going to say that seems excessive. There's probably three greats. How's that? Okay. Uh, but anyways, it's eighty five years in the future, so it's like the sixties, I guess, in Mississippi. Okay. And this guy is on trial. Which I I seem to find that this is actually legit. His name is Davis Knight. He is like the great 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 grandson of Newton Knight, and he's on trial for marrying a white woman because it is found it, they discovered after they got married, someone discovered who his ancestors were, and when they looked into it, it was determined that he was one eighth black. Yeah, three greats, the great 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 grandson. And he's one-eighth black descendant. And under Mississippi law, he is then for considered black and cannot legally marry a white woman. And he refuses to admit his guilt in trial, and he's sentenced to five years in prison for violating Mississippi's uh, 
mixed race laws. If there's another word for it. I can't pronounce it. Miscegenation or something like that. M-I-S-C-E-G-E-N-A-T-I-O-N. Okay. Miscegenation. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Basically, it's a mixed race law. Gotcha. And so he got sentenced to five years for uh, marrying a white woman, even though he – when you look at him, he, for all intents and purposes, is a white man, but he's one-eighth black. And apparently the Mississippi Supreme Court threw that out rather than the law being declared unconstitutional when they, when they um, appealed it and went to the Mississippi Supreme Court. So his conviction was thrown out. But still, like that was a real thing. Like that made me look into it. Like, is this real? That was a real thing in the South all the way up into the 60s. I'm not surprised. I mean, everything that you look at with segregation, with civil rights, I don't – I'm not big on my Southern history, but it is not surprising. And and I would bet you that there were even parts in the North that were like that. Well, it's just astounding to me because he was one-eighth black. And so therefore he is legally a black person. Like that's how bad it was? Well, uh, to – Or that's just how the laws were? Like it's just just surprising. It's uh, just surprising. To look at it from another angle, uh, there are plenty of people out there who can claim rights and such as uh, Native Americans – who may only be one eighth or one sixteenth? Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. So it, it swings in both directions. You know, heritage is heritage, and even a little bit is considered, you know, bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. It's just, it's just still really, it's just really astounding. <laughs> yeah, it's astounding. Yep. Astounding. Okay, so let's see here. Oh wow. Like there's a huge like I'm looking at a map now of uh, of the states and it shows when laws were passed that they had anti um, mixed races if you will mm-hmm. and there's a tremendously huge section of the South from uh, Maryland yep actually oh no that's Delaware. Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, over to uh, – I believe that's Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, and then all the way down south to Florida, that whole bottom southeast corner of the state over to Texas and everything, that, that the laws were repelled on June 12, 1967. Hmm. And then there's another huge portion of the states of the United States where those laws were repelled between 1948 and 1967 and then repealed, yeah, and then – there's another few states where there was all done before 1887, including Maine and Massachusetts and Rhode Island. But, um, yeah, so like all the way up to June 12, 1967, there was a huge section of the United States that had these anti-mixed racing laws still. Yeah, in the like I said, like I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Well, so anyhow. We were confused uh, people. Yes. Yep. But anyhow, uh, again, I'm not an expert on this, uh, so please don't attack me with, you're wrong, this is how it was, whatever. This is what I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, I just thought it was, okay, what's this? Bob Jones University, uh, located in Greenville, South Carolina, had a ban on interracial dating until the year 2000. Okay. <laughs> Uh, that's just popped up in front of me. That's hilarious. Uh, anyways, so otherwise, um, 
I found that part fascinating as far as like I learned like something I had never heard about before that I can recall. But as far as the movie was concerned, it was meh. Okay. That that was what I was going to get back to. Was- yeah. As far as the movie, it was meh. Like okay. I was kind of blown away by what was by what I learned. But as far as the movies and the enjoyability of the movie, it was just sort of, wow, that's two hours and 20 minutes. And it's like two hours too long. Gotcha. So, I wouldn't recommend watching the flick. How's that? All right. Anyhow, going back to television, what you yeah. got? What's what you got on tap? Um, I will say that this past week, the uh, Walking Dead was good. Uh, they stepped away from Rick and his group, and we got to meet the uh, Kingdom, which is kind of a neat little place. Uh, it almost seems a little too idealistic. You know, everybody works together and shares in the benefit of things. They're definitely working for Negan's, uh, Negan's saviors. You know, the saviors show up every so often. They expect tribute. Like this time it was, I believe, eight pigs. Uh, but the, the kingdom is kind of being a little shady anyway, cause they're feeding the pigs zombies. Um, not sure what their end game is with that, but they've kind of accepted that, you know, the saviors will kill them if they don't produce. So they do. Um, Ezekiel is the king of the kingdom and everybody comes to him and he acts as kind of like a King Solomon type figure. He's got a giant tiger that nobody messes with, but he takes Carol aside later and explains to her that, yeah, he was just a zookeeper when this all happened and that the tiger was stuck in a That's pit. That's funny. Yeah. Tiger was stuck in a pit and her leg was all mangled and he was the only one who went in and rescued her and nursed her back to health. So now she's loyal to him and him alone. And he said, you know, basically people want something to believe in and they want something to look to as a symbol of hope. And so this works. That's funny. Yeah, and it's a much nicer take than any other group that we've seen so far. So it was kind of refreshing to get that episode after everything else that we've had. So they they, they toned it down a little bit after everything that's been going on. Yeah, there was actually humor. Like he has a uh, right-hand man who's a jolly guy. and They even talked on Talking Dead afterwards. They were like, everybody loved getting him to laugh on set because he just has one of those like jolly, jolly good laughs. And, yep, you know, it yep. gets everybody else laughing. And he, he'd crack jokes. He'd be like, you know, I'll be right over here if you need me. And it was almost like the lighter side of The Walking Dead. It was good. Cool. Yeah. So did you watch uh, Gotham on Monday? Jeez, yeah, I did. You know what? I did. What would you think I of did, that? I did, pal. Um, well, i got to refresh my memory. Hold on a second. Let's see. This week's episode. Did I watch it? Uh, this one had... Tell me what happened. It was called The Red Queen, and it involved the hallucinogenic The Red Queen. <sighs> Oh yes, Gordon gets the uh, the drugs, and he keeps seeing Barbara and his hallucinations. Uh huh. Which, okay, that's kind of interesting. And he keeps seeing different things. And um, yeah, okay, it was it was a decent episode. I remember it now. Um, I'm, I remember it more uh, vividly now. Now, one of the things that I had a question of was Tetch's plan involved going down to the morgue and draining his sister's body of blood. Now, she's up on a slab. She's yeah. part of an investigation, but, you sure. know, 
wouldn't one of the first things that you would do if you're doing an autopsy on somebody be to drain all the blood out of them? No, it's not actually because no. they don't do that until they're embalmed. I see. Yeah, they well, actually that, don't that do that. That's my theory out. They actually don't do that until they're embalmed. Okay. Yeah. So she would have still had. She would have still had. If she, it didn't even look like she'd been autopsied yet. Like I didn't see the familiar is, Y incision or anything right. like that, but we did only see her face. Yeah, and it's Gotham, so um, it wouldn't show us anything. Yeah, more. yeah, and she was on ice and everything, but um, no, if, unless she's been embalmed, okay. which they wouldn't have drained her blood and then put the embalming fluid in until they patched up and sealed up the giant wound that she had because everything would just come right out of there. Right, right. So that wouldn't have been done until she was sent to the uh, – the funeral home to do all the work, okay. the post, the post cosmetic work, and then the embalming part. Yeah, gotcha. Um, but where she was impaled, I'm not saying she would have bled out from that, but she would have lost a considerable amount of blood. I I thought so as well, and I can't imagine how much more she'd have in her body. And without the heart pumping it or her being lifted up to be have it drained out of her. You would need some sort of machine to force it out. Which it looked like they kind of did. They hung her upside down. Oh, they did. That's right. Okay. Um, That's right. But it so. was it was all a very elaborate plan from somebody who is now known in the news as, you know, this guy has tried to kill people. He is number one most wanted right now. And yet nobody notices that he's the caterer at the founder's dinner mm-hmm. party. And that he's done this elaborate plan so that he could dose all the founders of Gotham with her blood and make them go crazy. Yep. Yep. Again, you know, I realize this is based on a comic book, but every plan doesn't have to be so convoluted and and drawn out. Yeah, they are all pretty elaborate, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I actually put one of my notes. Gordon is tripping stupidly. Yes. His trip was really dumb. Like, I didn't understand if that the multiple layers of his hallucination, which are told through going in an elevator, was that supposed to tell us anything? Because it was just like in one world, he's with uh, Lee and they got two kids. Yep. And another, he has an encounter with his father. And then well, that was know. the that was the key part. See, he was supposed to yes. meet up with his father so that we could hear that you know his father always left the work at the office, and he had that signet ring that says, "While we breathe, we shall defend." Yeah, and yeah. That's which the is... Gordon family motto, which happened to also be on the ring of the guy in shadows who's bossing around the woman from the Court of Owls at the very end. Yeah. ha ha ha. So Daddy Gordon is probably there, still alive. Or he's just... Well, no, because Gordon has his ring. He has... He he does, Well, he has a ring. Yeah. But it could be they're part of a group and that's somebody else. Could be, but he said that that's our family motto. That's true. So somebody else has that ring and... The big thing at the end of episode seven is that Gordon decides to rejoin the GCPD. Yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't even the best part of the episode. Oh, what was the best part? Oh, come on. You don't remember the best part of the episode? The whole reason that we care about Gotham as a show was Bruce Wayne on date night. 
It was literally the dumbest thing that I have watched on a comic book related oh show my in gosh. forever. You know, and the whole Selena showed up late and Bruce gave her a ration of shift. Yeah, he's right? like, whatever we're gonna be, it has to be fully committed. Dude, this is one date and you're already telling the woman that she has to fully commit to you. I called you a sexual predator in the last episode. Now you're going over the line. Like this is getting into abusive boyfriend area here. Well, this is the CW portion of Gotham. Except it's on the Fox. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, true. <laughs> this is the CW portion of Gotham on Fox. Yeah. It, I can't believe. I wonder if Martin has a problem with this because, you know, Martin loves Batman more than anything. You know, that's his big thing. I wonder if he is having as big of a problem with this portrayal of Bruce Wayne as I am. And I assume you are because this is not you know, Bruce Wayne that I have come to know and love in the comics and the movies and the shows. And what if Martin's around? <laughs> Oh, he's not logged into Skype. If he was logged into Skype, I would have just called him up to see if he was could answer and tell us. <laughs> well, if he listens to this and he wants to let us know, we'll be sure to give him props on the next show. But I, I'd be curious as to what his thoughts are. Because, like I said, last episode, Bruce like got very aggressive on Selena on that rooftop, like grabbed her, pushed himself into her space, made her kiss him. And now this time she shows up late for their date because she's a little scared and she's never dealt with this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, you will be here on time and you will fully commit to this relationship. And like, I think he's turning into a predator. He got downright rapey almost. Yeah. Yeah. And considering the fact that they're both supposed to be what, like 14 years old or something, I understand puberty's a strong thing, but you know, this is borderline like we need to get this kid counseling or he's going to be a, a predator later in life and not the good kind that Batman is but <laughs> well we'll see I guess we'll see yeah Supergirl though that was on Monday and I enjoyed Supergirl yeah it... I, I do like this show I know some people don't I know uh, friends of mine don't but I enjoy the show I do too. I thought this was, again, it could have been like a Monster of the Week episode with the whole fight club and um, roulette being introduced. Yeah. But it's uh, it gave us some good backstory. We got to find out the extent of uh, the Daxonite, you know, his powers. Like, he's strong, but he's not as strong as Kara. He's fast, but he doesn't have heat uh, vision or cold vision. This was the episode where... Where I can't think of his name, but the little buddy there took him out to the bar and got drunk. Win, yes. Win, yes. There was this episode when he's arm wrestling the guy and the guy's arm breaks and his response is, I don't think your arm's supposed to bend in that spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you got to like feel a little bit of sympathy for him because he is an alien and he yeah, hasn't and experienced this world. Clearly didn't mean to do that. Yeah. But I do like the fact how accepting he was where he's like, you know, I'm not here for my protection. I'm here for the protection of everybody else. And he understood it and he was accepting yeah, of yeah. it. He's like, I have a lot to learn so I can control this. So I don't learn. I'm cool with that. Like, I kind of like how they're doing that. It's like he's a character that they're making likable to have on the show. Yep. And I almost wonder if he's going to be on the show in place of Superman being on the show. I'm wondering that as well. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to end up sticking around or if they'll, you know, write him off in a little while, but it was, uh, either way, 
Yeah. I, I do like that character. Uh, we had John Jones, uh, like, going to town on Miss Martian and telling her, you know, you owe it to your people to be better than this and you shouldn't be fighting and blah, blah, blah. And then coming around later and being like, sorry, it's your life. You get to live it the way you want to. And I was just really excited to have sex with you. Yeah. I'm sorry to have <laughs> weird Martian mind sex with you and yeah. then didn't understand why you didn't want to because there's just the two of us. So he basically acted like every guy in the world just then. Yeah, he was Bruce Wayne. When he sees a hot lady. <laughs> Uh, that he that he wants to get with, right? Um, but then at the end of the whole episode, she morphs into that tall, weird creature. That was a white Martian. Sorry, yeah, she she morphs into the white Martian. So is she really a white Martian? I think she is, and I think she, I think she is the white Martian that she talked about in her story. You know, she said, "Oh well, oh, I was part the, of the slave camp, and there was a white the Martian one that saved." Yes, that yeah. makes sense didn't want to follow their ways and helped me escape. And so, yeah, I think that she is that white Martian and that's going to cause some friction because they've never known a good white Martian. And she's already proven that she's more interested in fighting than anything. But else. she's known as being a red Martian, if you will, green Martian, sorry, green Martian. You yes. know what I mean? Yep. Mars is red. There's yes. my error, <laughs> but she's known as being a green Martian. Because yep. that's what she's been fighting at. So it's not like when she first revealed himself to him, it wasn't like she did that as a, like a protectionary measure because, you know. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. never mind. <laughs> the other little side story in there was um, Alex, you know, getting to know the uh, police officer woman a little bit better, getting a little closer to her, feeling a little better, says, hey, you want to go get a drink? And then, like... I hate when they do stuff like this. Like her girlfriend just happened to be right there off screen. And she's like, Oh, hold on a sec. Pulls her girlfriend on the screen. Uh, I'm going out with my girlfriend, but you know, maybe a rain check later. Don't forget. They had that. I'm just going to walk up and give you a big, massive kiss in front of people moment. Yeah. 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 So now Which Alex, I don't think I've ever seen happen in real life. No, 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 no. Um, so now Alex, Is Alex the supposed to be gay. Angst. Uh, they've never said one way or the other. It's never really come up. She's always just been in her work mode. You know, she's never really approached the subject at all. But she apparently has an attraction to this woman, regardless of what her set sexuality is. And now this woman's like, no, I got a girlfriend already. So. Right. You, you know we'll see that play out for a while. She's going to start feeling cold and standoffish towards her, and the cop will be like, well, what's going on? Why are you acting like there's nothing? Let's just be professional because that's all we can be. And it'll be some kind of little drama thing. And Because, like, you know, they've never implied, like you said, one way or the other, you know, how Alex is. Yep. But they've been blatant from the second that GCPD – not GCPD – that – uh National City PD officer was introduced that she's lesbian. Or at least bisexual. Like, she likes the girls. Fair enough. Yep. Fair enough. She likes yes. aliens as well. Yep. But still, it's just, I don't know. It's like, do we need this storyline? Is this, is this beneficial to the story I, somehow? I think they're trying to give more depth to Alex because up until this point, she's basically been... That's K true. Kara's, yeah. you know, 
but I'm your sister, and what else yeah. are you? I'm a DEO agent. Yeah, only when you put on the armor. So I think they're just right. trying to give her a bit more of a character, which I can understand. And again, it's the CW, so get used to it. It's better than <laughs> frequency, so. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Staying with the CW. Mm-hmm. Staying with the superhero th- theme. Which isn't hard. No, because like there's, there's three more shows to talk <laughs> about. Flash. Yes. So HR isn't a scientist. He's nope. a novelist, but he's an idea guy. Yeah, he's basically a fraud. Yeah, yeah. Which they took a long time in this episode to to bring this out. It's like he did figure out the puzzle. He's good with puzzles. He's good with He didn't figure certain- out the puzzle. He gave it to his assistant and his assistant. Oh, that's right. It out. His assistant figured out the puzzle. But he he's an idea guy. He just doesn't know how to execute those ideas. That's right. He's the one that puts the ideas out there and plants them in people's heads so that then they come up with the ideas. I don't know if I like that version of Wells. No. no. He, he reminds me of many of my managers throughout the years. You know, the ones who would take credit for my work. They'd be like, well, me, if I hadn't been here me, to inspire Jerry? you. Oh, there have been many more since him. You mean yes. like Jerry? All right, guys, I get the message. Sorry, yeah. inside joke. Yeah, he uh, he's one of them, but there have been many of them over the years that basically, well, if I hadn't been here to push you, if I hadn't been here to inspire you, you know, yeah. would you have ever come up with that on your own? Yes, I would. If it wasn't for me, would you have succeeded? Yeah, yes. I get you. Yes. So, no, I do not like this version of HR, and... <sighs> Tom Cavanaugh, I love Tom Cavanaugh as an actor. I've loved everything that he's done, but I don't want to see him in this capacity. He essentially brings nothing to the table, and they called him on that. They said, you don't bring anything. He's like, well, you figured out how to do this because of me, and they're like, I figured it out. He's like, well, because I put the idea out there, and it was in your head. No, don't take credit for that. I I liked the – the version of Wells, which the, the second one, Harry, the uh, not not yeah. when we first met him, but recently, the la- this season especially, where him and Ramon, their their repertoire <laughs> and everything, it's great. Yep, it's pretty fantastic. So. Absolutely, and I, I think don't that's s- what's going to get on Cisco's nerves more than anything is the fact that you know less that they can't trust any Harrison Wells is that he had a great thing going with Harry and. Yep. He'll never have that with this guy, and he doesn't want it. And yeah. But Fair enough. There was a lot of development in this episode. You know, Caitlin spent some time with her mom, who's apparently just a uh, glory-seeking, power-hungry, uh, grind-everybody-else-down-so-that-I-can-take-credit, kind of like what HR is, um, except for he's nicer about it, but... She basically right. gets everyone to do research for her and then puts her name on it so that it has her name and she can take credit and everyone yeah. will have legitimacy. Uh, but Caitlin's kind of losing her mind with her powers there. Yeah, it's like I can't trust my best friends that have trusted me with all their secrets, with my secret. Yeah. That's kind of what I got from that. Yep. And uh, her mom tells her that it's affecting her physiology and her brain waves and if – Every time she uses it, it's going to be harder and harder to undo. Yeah. So she just gets mad and freezes the computer. Yep. And uh, of course, the big uh, the big monster of the week is the fact that there was a monster. Yeah. But it was yet a hologram monster that mm-hmm. could still cause damage. 
See, I don't think that it was causing damage. I think that the damage was coming from, like, people swerving to miss it and crashing into stuff. Like, the only real oh, damage okay. that they measured was Transformers exploding because of the overloading of the power units trying to... Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah. All right. Okay. And that was part of the danger was that the snipers were going to shoot through it yeah. and hit innocent people. So that's why Barry caught a bullet. Yep. <laughs> he did, too. Got it right out to air. <laughs> um, um, and then, of course, Julian. I hate Julian as a character, by the way. Uh, I just – I don't like his accent. <laughs> I love his okay? accent. I don't like his accent okay. because he's using it in the wrong way that accent's supposed to be used. That's supposed to be fun and cheery or pessimistic and gloomy like Simon Pegg can be, but not just basically being an asshole. See, he reminds so, me of the newest Doctor. So, in the accent, and I'm not a fan of the newest Doctor. Oh, I'm not a God. fan of Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. Blasphemy! I'm just not like I. I'm a David Tennant fan. Mm-hmm. Oh, you I can be a David Tennant. David fan. Tennant. I loved all the stories with David Tennant. I thought he was brilliant as the Doctor. I agree. I watched first season with Peter Capaldi, and I remember talking to you about this long before we started this show, which was. He spent the entire season with him trying to determine if he was a good guy or a bad guy. And along the way, they did not make him a likable character to me. And then when he his second season or first half, second half of the first season, whatever it is you want to call it, I just couldn't get into it because of how I felt the bad taste I got left in my mouth after the first season. Yep. I remember that. So you don't like Julian's accent. I don't like Julian. He is a jerk. I feel like it's an unnecessary element that's just being thrown in there. It's an unnecessary monkey wrench in the works when they already have so many going on as it is. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's what bothers me the most. Well, like, I don't know. I don't think that there are any more monkey wrenches this season. In fact, there seem to be fewer this season than, like, in the last season. Overall. <sighs> Because, I mean, it looked like we were going to have a lot of crap to deal with, with, uh, you know, the fractured timeline and the different people hating each other for different reasons. But that got cleared up really quickly. Um, See, I like – I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that for me, I like him because I feel like he's – a more real antagonist. Like Barry in the first two seasons got away with whatever he wanted. You know, he could do anything that he wanted to at the police station. In fact, they didn't focus much on his CSI job because he was constantly just running off and doing whatever he wanted. And so Julian there, like right in the beginning of this episode, he's tattling on Barry. Oh, massively. And it kind of, it, it provides that bit of a counterpoint there that says, you know, well, he does have a job and he's trying to run off as the Flash all the time. He needs to be held accountable as well. So I like that aspect of him. And I like the fact that in this reality, maybe Barry wasn't doing enough CSI work because he was always running off. So they had to bring in another character. See, I initially thought when Julian was introduced that this was going to make Barry – He's either going to lose his job or quit his job or whatever it was. He's going to be forced to leave because he couldn't keep being the Flash while doing the job because of Julian. So I thought that was going to be a way to get him out of GCPD. Right. And have him just being the Flash and we're just going to focus on him being the Flash. And, of course, his love life and all the other crap that goes along with that end of it. And they were going to close the door on him being at the GCPD. That's what I thought. 
sorry, CCPD. That's what I thought the introduction of Julian was going to be. And instead, it's not. It's just this really, and maybe that's why I have a bad taste in my mouth about it. I don't know. But it's this long, drawn out, I'm a little tattletale, you know. And like you said, Barry does, you know, Barry being held accountable for his actions, this and that and everything. And I just, I think it deters from the main focus of the show, which is he's the Flash. Yep. Uh, but that's the thing is like, would Spider-Man be as interesting if you didn't have his time as Peter Parker? You know, Batman has to be Bruce Wayne sometimes. So fair enough. um, But, but also they have jobs where like, yeah, Peter's got to meet deadlines, but he's basically left to his own devices to get his pictures done. And Batman's a millionaire, so he can just (laughs) be a millionaire. Same thing with Clark, I mean, he has deadlines, but he's basically left to his own resources to do whatever he needs to do to get his job done as long as the stories are submitted on time. Whereas Barry is now being held accountable towards a, to a, you know, a nine to five job where he needs to be there and he can't just, uh, and, and this other horseshit about how we can't look at Julian's files or look at his, you know, the stuff that he's collected for evidence and everything. That's not how that works, actually. Well, the way I understood it is that they're two different. Julian is the CSI for metahuman activity. Barry right. is the CSI for standard police activity. Correct, but it's they're in one lab. They're 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 coworkers. They wouldn't they wouldn't be that way in, in quote unquote real life. Okay. <sighs> See, I, don't know. I originally thought that Julian was going to be alchemy and that we were going to find out that's why he was so bitter towards Barry all the time. But now I'm starting to think that Julian, and you're going to hate this theory, but I think yeah. that Julian will eventually become part of the Star Labs crew. Okay, I mean, like, all right, if he joins Team Flash... Yep. And he stops being a thorn in his side so he can get away from that aspect of the story, then I'd, I'd be fine with that. Which, I technically guess. speaking, by the end of this episode, he did. Remember, he was like, no, you can stay and well, we'll work together. And Well, yes, in a way, because he accepted that not all metahumans are bad because Flash saved his life and Flash stopped him from killing an innocent boy who was not a metahuman at all. Yeah, 15-year-old kid. Who was just being a douche. Yep. But a very smart one at that. Yes. And who had noble reasons. And that seemed to shake Julian enough right. to say, holy crap, I've been wrong. I was going off half-cocked, you know. So we'll see if next episode it, it does a 180 and he's like, you know, oh, I still don't like you, Alan, and blah, blah, blah. Right. But it really felt like this was a turning point for the character, that maybe he's yeah. going to be more on board and that down the road they could bring him on as part of Team Flash. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's not like I'm going to stop watching the show because of it oh, or anything. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of all the CW shows, well, I say of all the CW shows, The Flash I've always enjoyed more so than uh, Arrow or, or Legends since it, since it was introduced. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I really have been enjoying Legends this year as well. Okay. And maybe it's I've really been enjoying Rory this year because they're giving him a seems like he's getting a bigger role. Except this last episode. Well, yeah. Well, but, you know, still, I mean, he's the zombie and he stops being a zombie on top of the doctor and his is like, Doc, what's going on? Am I trying to kiss you? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm. But you're still guess, liking Flash, and you're still going to. I'm still watching. liking Flash. I'm still enjoying it. You know, I still look forward to watching it. It's definitely, 
It's this is Julian's character is not a uh, a deterrent by any means. Gotcha. So. Good. But uh, you know we've got uh, three more episodes or two more episodes, and then it's the start of the big crossover. Yeah. And so they're not going to be, be doing the, – there won't be a new episode this coming week because Tuesday is cleared out. Like I look at my DVR and there's at oh, midnight and that's it. Yeah, because it's the election. So yeah. there's nothing going on. But nothing. the week after that – yeah. So in a couple of weeks, we get the Kevin Smith-directed episode entitled Killer Frost. Yep. And Which the, because Caitlin is told by her mother that she needs to stop using her powers or else it will become irreversible. And – Something will happen that Caitlin will be forced to use her powers again. Oh, yeah. Well, she's um, already accidentally using them all the time when she gets pissed. That's true. That's true. So. so, But I am looking forward to the Kevin Smith-directed episode of The Flash. Yep. And it looks like the next episode is just what I called earlier, that um, Wally's going to start having nightmares about his time in the alternate reality and being Kid Flash. Yep. Yes. And so now he's going to go on an even stronger quest to get his powers, and I'm sure yep. Alchemy will help him out with that. <laughs> Most likely. Yep. So continuing in the universe and continuing in order, I guess, Arrow. <sighs> yep. That's how I felt about this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, there was one shining star in this episode. What's and that? it made me kind of sad for the, the past that could have been. But that was um, uh, Christopher Chance, the human target. Yes. And yes. I immediately looked up. I'm like, is this the same actor? Because back in 2009, I think it was, 2010, they actually had two seasons of a human target human show. Human target, yes. And, and it was not the same actor. No, it was not. It was a it's good the show. Same character, but it's not the same actor. Right. And it is yeah. a DC Comics character, and uh, yeah. it was a good show. I liked it, and I was sad that it didn't get more seasons. But that had uh, Jackie Earl Haley and Chi McBride, and uh, it yeah. was so much fun. And that's why it kind of made me sad. But I was glad to see them do another, kind of like they did with Constantine, where they give him a number of different spots in this episode. It would have been cool, though. I mean, realistically, it would have been super cool if Mark Valley could have played Christopher Chance in this, just because it would have linked it together. Yes. I can accept this, though, because the thing about Christopher Chance is that he was always changing his face. So, you know, I can can understand the different actor. But Well, what if they brought bring the character back in and it's Mark Valley playing him? That would be cool as well. (laughs) Oh, that would. Yeah. You know, kind of like how they got Mark Hamill to be on the new Flash series and he was on the old Flash series playing the yes. same character. Like, this this would have been cool. It would have been really cool. It yeah. would have, like, it would have saved Arrow for me at this point. Yeah. Well, okay, because, again, all right, I go back to the unnecessary drama that I don't care about. And, and, and this is where it's weird. Like, I really love This Is Us, and that is nothing but 100% drama show, but it, it is what I want it to be. Yep. So that's why it works. Yep. When I'm watching Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, you know, Legends, I don't want the little background unnecessary drama crap that's just going to, like, annoy me. Which Arrow like, is just chock full of. Well, especially at the end of this episode where the reporter is given a photo of Oliver, you know, um, as a member of the Brava. Oh, this was taken five years ago when Oliver Queen was allegedly on the deserted island. Yep. And it's just like, uh, unless this is going to make the stupid flashback stop, I don't care. 
And imagine for a minute that you're a member of the populace of Star City and you've gone through all this crap. You know, all these different people trying to blow your city up, kill you, enslave you, run riots in the street. And now you've got the mayor who comes on national TV and goes, by the way, I faked my own death. I'm okay. I'm just fine. I'd throw my hands up in the air and move. You know, Central City seems like a much better place. National City's great. They got Supergirl. I'd even go to Coast City and see what was going on with uh, the Green Lantern. Which they haven't talked about that again this season. They've teased it the last couple years, and I've really, like, wish they would just do something with it and get it over with. You know? Yeah. Honestly, aside from Christopher Chance, this episode had very little for me to care about. And I really, really hated that they caught Church and that, you know, they finally took him down and he's being transported by, you know, the, the police department and he's in an armored car and Prometheus, like, stops the cavalcade and destroys everything and opens up the back. Oh, sorry. The guy in their guarding church opens up the back. And then you have this whole thing where Prometheus walks up and looks at church and he's like, Hey, Hey, you need me. I can help you out. I know stuff. I know information. I know the real name of the green arrow. It's really Oliver queen. So now you're going to let me go. I'm like, why did yeah, you we, just give it up? Good now. Like yeah. gave that up pretty quick. So I was yeah. glad to see him die after that because that was really stupid. Like he didn't even give him a chance to respond. Like, yes, that would be interesting to me. What's it worth? No, he's just like, right, I yeah. know his name. It's Oliver Queen. We well, as soon as he gave it up that quick, I was like, oh, they're gonna kill him. Okay, perfect. Yeah, they couldn't afford his salary for the show. So yeah, <laughs> Groan. yeah, yeah. It's like, but I will say this: there was a few people because he was on The Walking Dead. Yes, Tyrese. He was Tyrese, yeah, and there's a lot of people that feel like, because I guess Tyrese in the comics is more like Church than Tyrese was portrayed on, <laughs> on The Walking Dead. Excellent. So there you go, people. You've got your you've got your Tyrese from The Walking Dead. He's just on a different show, playing a different <laughs> character. Anyhow, um, but yeah, really, the only thing good about this episode was the introduction of Human Target. And I really would like to see him come back more, but it just seemed like he was a one-shot deal. You know, he yeah. was there to protect Oliver and to help him fake his death and basically be Oliver for a couple of days. And then he pretended to be a uh, one of the one of Church's men. Yeah, quickly. Yep. So it'll be interesting, I guess, to see if they bring him back. Right. Um. But again, keeping in the same universe, Legends of Tomorrow went back to the Civil War themselves. Yeah. And, and we saw the atrocities being held against the slaves. And and then they did what they weren't supposed to do to save them. Yeah. And, and on and on and on. They, and, they had to give us some heavy-handed racism right there. Yep, they did. They most certainly did. And it was one of those like, okay, well – that seems to be a theme with a lot of time travel shows recently. <laughs> yep. Um, Not to downplay the significance of it, but no, no. But it wasn't handled as well as it was handled in Timeless. And it was a show that was trying. It, it's not a show about oppression. It's not a show about slavery. It's a show right. about time traveling. So to give. You know, the entirety of what the slaves went through, basically seven minutes. Yeah, it's not, 
it's not enough. No, it, it didn't. And I also thought it was dumb when the only two black characters on the show are like, oh, we're going to exit the ship without issue. I'm like, really? Like even Rufus like had problems with where they were going. Right. You know, like they didn't, but they were just like, instead they're like, oh, come on, Gray, you're not going to let me leave the ship. I'm like, really? You like want to? You're in Mississippi at the height of the Civil War. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, it's not going to go well. Right. Yeah. Use your use your half a brain. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It, Anyways, it's that a was very a weak frustrating sauce to me. show to me. It was a week. That was weak sauce to me. I, I, you're right though. I do love Rory as a character. You know, his big complaint: yeah. somebody put sprouts on my sandwich. Yeah. Now, do you find? Did you find it odd that he gave, um, Ray Captain Cold's gun? Yes. As opposed to Ray getting the Adam suit back. Well, the Adam suit was disintegrated. I know, and we talked about that. Well, yep. maybe it was Rude I was talking to about that. He's like, yeah, but he'll have gone back in time to get the spare one or something like that, and he'll say, like, oh, I always wondered what happened to that spare suit, how I lost it. Right, right. No, you know what I mean? I agree with that eventuality, but for now, I think even last season, he those two had a bit of a weird – Partnership. Yeah, yeah. Camaraderie is a good word for it, you know, because there were many times that they butted heads, but then they'd work together, yeah. you know, trapped in a dungeon. And, um, so I didn't, but this think was, this was that surprising that he got the cold gun. Well, this was definitely more of a monster of the week episode as opposed to a overall mythology storyline. Yeah. So, and it wasn't a terrible episode, but you're right. I mean, they tried to cover, too large of a topic and too short of a time. Yeah. And, so. and there were things like, you know, Steel and Sarah end up in Ulysses S. Grant's tent and he's yeah. got a gun drawn on them and he's like, you're spies. I'm going to kill you right now. And Sarah's like, wait, I'll be back. And she turns around and walks out and he's like, okay. Like he yeah. doesn't try to stop her. This is a spy. She could be going back to report to the Confederates. And he's like, yeah, I guess she's okay. Yeah, we'll let her go because I got one of you. Yeah, it was so stupid. Yeah. Like, why would you? Anyway. And then later on, she's giving all the orders to the soldiers and they're listening. Yep. Yeah. Because, you know, civil rights and all really affected things back then. Yep. So I guess ultimately we're thinking weak sauce episode. I was, but I I mean, it wasn't the worst thing that I've ever seen. It, it had zombies, so. Yeah. And then they did play a little bit of the Flash's message. Like I <laughs> thought we were going to get bit. here. And then, you know, then they shut it off. How many times are we going to listen to it? I'm like, how about once? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until it makes sense. Oh, so we're going to listen to it forever then. So. Yep. Eventually that'll come out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did you watch Superstore and The Good Place this week? I did watch Superstore in the good place this week. So Superstore, I was, I thought it was just ridiculous and stupid. Thank you. I thought it was ridiculous and stupid. And it, some of it was fun, like Cheyenne knowing people's secrets and stuff like that. Like she's dumb, yeah. but she's not that dumb. But yeah, the whole thing with the coffee falling in the voting box. Right. 
was and, and they were able to escape stupid. that with all the votes and bring it back and no one noticed. Oh, God. And why would they have a voting precinct at a store? That right. would happen in reality? That would never happen in reality. Yeah. How would you control it? Like, like people come to a store to shop. They could be coming from outside the city. Like, you have your voting section set up so that you can see all the registered voters in that city, town, whatever. You know, right. I live in West Gardner, so I go over to the town hall, and they've got my name in a book. If I went to Augusta, they'd be like, why are you here? You live in West Gardner. So why would they even think to have that at a store? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like in Gardner, everybody goes to Prey Street. That's kind of annoying, actually. I bet. When I went, when I lived in Pittston, we all went to the town office, and Pittston doesn't have an electronic reader. They literally have a 100-year-old chest that they used back then that you, they still use to this day. That you, like, yep, uh, that's what West that, Gardner has, too. Yeah, that you put your vote in in the top and everything, and it's like triple locked on the front or something. Yep, exactly. I kind of like that. <laughs> so Gardner's yeah. got them fancy electronic readers. It was uh, it was ridiculously farcical. Um, I enjoyed some parts of it. Uh, the whole Jonah has a girlfriend thing. That was out of left field, which was stupid because then all of a sudden, you know, America Farrar is acting really weird around him near the end because she's yeah. like, oh, even though I'm married with a kid – uh, I'm suddenly weirded out by the fact that you have a girlfriend. Married with a kid, and I've blown this guy off repeatedly, telling him over and over again, I'm married, have a kid, have no interest in you. Yep. Wait, now I can't have him? Oh, oh, oh have to have Classic him. Classic JD line. <laughs> Classic JD. So uh, The Good Place, though, was awesome. Really good episode. Oh, I loved it right in the beginning. He referred to her as a trash bag. We'll take this bag of trash. Hey, trash bag, let's go. And they kept calling her fake Eleanor when I'm like, well, she's not fake, though. She really is Eleanor. (laughs) And they had um, a bad Janet. Bad Janet was hilarious. I wanted to see so much more of her. (laughs) Me too. You can stick it up your butt. Bing. Why why did she even exist? (laughs) I, I like the one little throwaway line there. I swear to Bieber. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and then uh, fake fake Eleanor was a, is a rock star down in the bad place. Well, yeah. Except bad she was. Yep. They all want her to be there. And he's like, oh, but don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, every day for her is one endless baby shower for a woman that she didn't know. And yeah. if any of the guests get up, like, it was insane, all the stuff. And she's just cringing the whole time. Like, there's nothing but jazz music playing on the stereo in her house. She's there. like, oh, why would you want that? It's like a 40-minute long song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we find out that the bad place uh, karaoke is just all hate speeches and tragic speeches. speeches. Yes. Yes. So, and then of course, at the end of the episode, we find out that, uh, I can't think of her name now, British girl there, British proper lady finds out, you know, reveals that she realizes that her, her, it's not who he says. Yep. Cause she found all of his junk food and knew that he could tap a keg from the party. Yeah. And Adam Scott's character said that they're going to kick this up to Sean. Yes. Sean, the wise and just judge who sits on high and settles all these disputes. <laughs> Sean. <laughs> I like how uh, Ted Dances told him, character told him to get the fork out of here. Yes. <laughs> and my, my favorite, what I was hoping they would reveal that is he actually said fork. Right, right. <laughs> like he, he meant to say fork, not the other word, and fork was substituted. Exactly. Like, oh, look at you swearing. What do you mean? I, I, I just told him to get the fork out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I 
I like that show more than I expected to. Like I, yes, I remember the first you, couple episodes, I was worried. Well, yeah, because you're like, I don't like Kristen Bell really. Uh, I'm like in this format sometimes, and yeah, you're definitely on the fence about it. So, yep. but it's turned out to be really good. Yeah, it's turned out to be a fun little show. <laughs> Sean, the great and powerful Sean. I'd like to know who Sean is going to be. Oh, I think we're going to meet him. Well, I'm sure we are. <laughs> I'd like to know who Sean is going to be. Um, so, anything else happened this episode? Uh, nope. I don't think so. Oh. <clears throat> um, Shield? Oh, geez, the origin of Ghost Rider? Yeah. That was awesome. I enjoyed this episode. I did, too. I thought it was really good. I've actually really liked the Ghost Rider introduction way more than I thought I was going to. Same here. I didn't think it was going to be as good as it has been. Right. Um, but we yeah. also got to see the origin of the ghosts, you know, the people who are now quote-unquote haunting Yes. And they found a way to create matter, which was right. very interesting. They created carbon, but there was too much energy at the end of the experiment. So it was like, how are you creating energy? That goes against all the laws of physics. You know, me- energy cannot be created, destroyed. Right. So we knew something fishy was going on. And it was the, it's the book. Yeah. The book's yeah. doing it. The dark. Without hole. a doubt. The dark. Um, Simmons got shipped off to some secret mission, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't even know what's going on with her. No, they never went back to touch on what it was. No, we got Fitz plenty of times being really pissy and really upset that he couldn't find her, he couldn't get a hold of her, nobody seemed to be talking, but we don't even know what's going on. Nope, we do not. Um, and then Robbie reveals to his brother. Yep. Um, that his brother actually died. Yep. And that he died. Yep. And that he sold his soul to become Ghost Rider. Yeah, from what looks like... Dude, that was totally Johnny Blaze. That's what I thought, too. And I guess uh, the actor who plays Robbie uh, actually tweeted something about that, basically confirming that it was Johnny Blaze. Yeah. So, which is awesome. That's just great. Unlike Human Target, I do not want to see <laughs> Nicolas Cage show up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. playing Johnny Blaze. I do not either. If if he does, <laughs> I would lose all respect for Marvel Studios at that point. Yeah, definitely do not want to see that happening. <laughs> I would be okay if they brought Blade in and yep. Blade. Yeah, you know, and it was Wesley Snipes. Yep. I'd be cool with that. Absolutely. Not cool with Nick Cage. They brought Nick Cage in <laughs> to play Johnny Bones. Um, I thought it was a bit of a jump. I love the episode, but I thought that it was a little bit odd that the last episode, the new director like outed himself as an inhuman. He was all, you know, yay shield. And then we saw that whole exchange where the, mean woman, the senator or whatever, said, yep. oh, your people have been harboring a fugitive. Between that and this episode, he's like storming onto the the Zephyr, and he's like, yep, Phil, we've come to take your prisoners. You know, Daisy and this flaming skull guy, we're taking them. 
it seemed like quite a jump. Yeah, it did seem like a weird direction turn. But from how his character's been all season, those two had some good banter. I liked it when he was like, "Is this a wild goose chase?" Uh, no, I have zero geese. We are goose free. <laughs> <laughs> and he had that fun little speech about you know everybody loves Han Solo, the reckless rebel, and he's like, "But the fact is, you know, he was only ever in it for himself." Yeah, and uh, Coulson's like, "I always thought that the real hero was Admiral Akbar." <laughs> <sighs> And they, good times. Yeah, they found a way to toss it back to Agent Carter once again, you know, Isodine yes. from the last season. Yeah. Yep. And it was bought out by Roxon, and that's the ones who was doing the experiment. And, but then in the twist, we, uh, we found out that Uncle Eli was actually the, the evil genius behind it all, and he arranged to have himself put into jail. And then arranged to get broken out so that he could be brought there and finish the experiment on himself. Yeah. That kind of surprised me that he was the, basically the bad guy the whole yeah. time. Yeah. So. But, so, basically, at the end of that, Fitz, Coulson, and Robbie, who we found out Robbie can actually break out of the holding cells. Yeah, that no was inhuman, no superpowered being has ever been able to even dent them, and he busted right through the door. So that's power right there, my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But those three vanished, and Eli came out of the chamber and can now create matter. Yay! That's just what we need in a bad guy. No, I really, I would go the opposite. <laughs> you, you want, <laughs> maybe you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't want that in a bad guy. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's a good episode. I liked it, it mostly was. because of the, uh, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider and Johnny Blaze passing the old Ghost Rider. Absolutely. And you know he'll be coming him. back. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'll I hope so. I to that. I really am. I absolutely hope so. I wonder, I do wonder who's going to play him, though. Yeah, it won't be Nick Cage, don't worry. It will not be. No, I don't think it will be. It better not be. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, This Is Us. Sure. I thought it was another great episode. Really was. Um, you know, uh, Kevin gets a very harsh lesson and an acting exercise. Oh, but it was so well done. Like, she played him well. Big time. And then by the end, you know, like it's like she is making him a better actor and it seems yep. like he'll be able to use that. We do learn that dad died. Yep. But we don't know. But which we already knew. We knew it last episode. But now we're really thought, diving into it. Uh, but I thought we were going to get a time frame mm-hmm. and we don't. Nope. We just know that Kevin's reaction to it yes. was that he destro- threw away every model that they'd ever made together. Yeah, and, and now he, he hates it. that. So yes. you you got to think he was probably a kid at the time. Yeah, I would say early teens at the oldest. Yeah, but it doesn't explain why Randall doesn't like uh, his mom's new husband. Right, we still haven't figured Which, that part out yet. Right, because like that would imply that there was some sort of like bad breakup between mom and dad before dad died. Right. Um. Yeah, uh, Randall. Uh, we learned. We, <laughs> uh, I like how what he does for work makes him happy, and he <laughs> loves it. But everyone else is 
puzzled by it. And he's then he a weather trader. <laughs> he's a weather. Yeah, he's yeah. And then he forces. I will be doing career day. And then he writes that song. <laughs> oh, that was so awkward. It <laughs> was, was so painfully awesome. awkward. I loved the whole family's reaction to it. Just look away, honey. Just look away. Don't, yeah. don't watch. Just look away. That's his wife. Yeah, she's saying that. It was awesome. <sighs> I love it. It tells the kids, my dad wore a tie to school to work every day because he had to. I wore one because I want to. I enjoy yeah. it. And I'm going to take piano lessons from the old lady down the street. <laughs> what was that? That is a midlife crisis. It's a minor one, but <laughs> yeah. I um, like that we didn't harp on William's mortality this episode. Yes. Yeah. But we kind of touched more deeply on the fact that Randall was already – different and an outcast because he was black in a, we heard that they're from Missouri. So interesting that they were in the middle of the United States, the heartland. And then when they split, you know, or whatever, Kate and Kevin ended up in Los Angeles, whereas uh, it was New York for Randall. So they went to opposite ends of the country. Yes. Uh, And Randall was already an outsider because of his race. And, yep. you know, being in an adopted white family, but now you also have the fact that he's brilliant. Yes, he's smart. And, you know, I've heard that, that bit before about how, oh, when someone isn't challenged that they don't, uh, they do bad. But in Randall's case, it was he didn't want his brother and sister to not like him anymore. Because if I get an A, then I'll get ice cream and they won't and they'll mm-hmm. hate me even more. And that was a very real moment. You know, that yep. felt like a real kid thing. Yeah, it did. Which I really appreciate about this show is that they get real moments like that. Yep. And then, of course, we learned from Kate that her mother had body images, even though her mother's Mandy Moore and looks the way she does. Yep. And that was definitely pushed on to Kate mm-hmm. as far as how she feels about herself Yeah. From when she was a kid. And then she gets a job. And and uh, I loved how that girl Gemma got just left on the side of the street. <laughs> you know, you and I is Gemma. I got to ride home. Get out of the damn car. <laughs> oh, and from my experience, I can tell you, you can burn about four hundred calories if you yes, keep walking at a good pace. To another, if you keep a brisk pace, you can burn four hundred seventeen calories in an hour. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was. I thought awesome. that was great. Yeah. So, but it's a good show. It's a great show. It was. It was just so, like, you know, Kevin, the girl's like, why don't you come get a drink with me? And it's awake. And he yeah. ends up having that touching moment with the uh, the widow. The widow, who looked familiar to me. Yes. And I'm trying to place it. The only thing I can think of is that she was on Lie to Me, and she played Lightman's number number one or whatever. Oh, but I don't her? think that's her. I, maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah. That's why I she thought of initially. To too. I didn't bother to look it up or anything. No, so. no. Um, but we also learned that Kate doesn't talk to her mother anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know why I like this show so much, but I do. Um, we also learned that Dad took a desk job. He was happy being a construction foreman, like going around yes. sites helping them. But they needed more money, so he took the desk job. Yep. To better his family. Then he's like, I'm going to break off and I'm going to make my own company, you know, big three builders. And Miguel's yep. like, no, I got promoted. You should come with me. And he ended up doing that. So I think that's going to play into perhaps mm-hmm. why he died, why yes. Miguel is not, you know, Randall's favorite. 
type of thing. Right. It's yes, it probably will because he took that job. Yeah, with Miguel. There's Miguel some, got the promotion. He brought him with him. Yeah, and there's something about this show. You know, you were just saying. I don't know why. Like, I don't either. I went to visit a couple of friends of mine recently, and they don't watch current TV. Like, they don't yeah. watch TV from two years ago. They watch things when it comes out on Netflix, maybe, or yep. you know, they have Apple TV, so they'll watch stuff. And the woman was talking to me, and she's like. I've never said this in forever, but I'm actually watching a current TV show and it's called This Is Us and I don't know why, but I just love it. It is so amazing. And I was like, yeah, there's, there's something about this show that seems to have a national appeal. I know for me, like they've had several incidents on the show that I can personally relate to from a similar life experience. So I know like that to me – is one of the big draws, but at the same time, just the show as a whole, I just like it so much. It's, I think it's another one of those where we have mysteries, but we don't care about finding them out just yet because they've yeah. done such a good job with the characters. Yep. And yes, it's very believable. Like a lot of the scenarios, even if I haven't been in them, I look at them and I say, that's a very believable thing. Yeah. I can see that happening. Yeah. Agreed. And I don't, generally like shows like this like my most of my drama comes from like police procedural type shows right there's an element of action or murder mayhem mystery whatever Mm -hmm. not just straight up family drama like my wife is a big fan of like you know modern family and nashville and and other stuff, Grey's Anatomy or whatever, all similar heavily dramatized shows or whatever, and I'm just not there. But yep. I am on this one. So. Absolutely, me too. What was it that just got picked up for a full season of 18 episodes or something? Like, not 18, but there was some show I just that I watched that just got picked up. Uh, was it Timeless? Yes, it was Timeless. I was surprised that I hadn't been given the full season treatment yet. Yeah, but I was glad to see that they have now. Oh yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh I've seen the ratings listings for frequency. I don't think it's gonna last. And I'm not sad about that at all. No, I I don't think it is either, and I'm also not not sad about that. Um I'll give you a quick update on Lucifer because it was actually a good episode again this week. So um, you say. Yeah, well, they're still keeping things in the metaphysical, you know, so Lucifer is really torn up over the fact that he killed Uriel. You know, he has ended his brother's existence. He used the sword and he carved out his soul. So no longer does Uriel exist in the universe. And he's really, really torn up about this. And he's picking fights with people and he's being more brash and and off the cuff than he usually is. The big takeaway is that by the end of it, he's talking to the uh, psychologist lady and he's trying to tell her all this stuff. You know, he's like this, this, this. She's like, all right, look, this isn't going to work anymore. I can't work with you. You know, you've got this complex about you. Everything's a metaphor with you. I need to know the real you. And he's like, okay. And he kind of breaks down and we get to see his real face and he shows her his real face and it kind of stuns her into silence and he walks out and closes the door. And it just kind of leaves it off at that. But that's been one of the big things is he's not supposed to reveal celestial beings to humans. You know, Amenadiel's gotten on his case about that. and Maze has gotten on his case about that. So 
He just did that because he needs help and he needs her to help him. So the next episode is going to be great to see how that plays out. Okay, that does actually sound good. Yep. And uh, mom took Amenadiel out into the forest and showed him the gravesite where Lucifer buried Uriel's body. And they had a good little cry over that. And she's like, we need to try to find a way to heal you. And so it's actually turned a corner for me. And it feels like it's a better show than it was getting to be. So, yeah. All right. Yep. Fair enough. On the other hand. Yeah. Big Bang Theory this week. Um, you know, again, that actually falls into the criminal minds and the other, like, it's a good show. It's it's not blowing me away, but I'm enjoying it. And I, I will just keep with my, my theory or my, my statement of this season is much better than last season. I will agree with you on that. Um, however, like, this was an episode where we found out that Pen, uh, Amy's been lying to Sheldon and her apartment's been ready, but she's been enjoying living with him. And we go through all the shenanigans. The one big thing that I will say about this episode, above all, mm-hmm. Penny is a horrible person. Whoever is writing her this season needs to be kicked in the head. And that is the exact reason that relationships are in such a downward spiral these days. Oh, because how she's hiding all this stuff away without him noticing? Not only that, but they make it a joke, and she basically says, you have no choice. Yeah. So, you know, he finds out, yeah, she's been uh, hiding your stuff little by little in storage. And so him and Sheldon go through the room, and they're like, oh, my God, this is missing, this is missing, this is missing. And when they finally confront her about it, she's like, so what? Your wizard robes are the next to go. And then he actually concedes, and he's like, go ahead and decorate the room however you want. And yeah. she takes all of his stuff out and even jokes about, you know, she's like, I'm going to keep the candle and you. And he's like, well, what about my poster? And she's like, uh, the candle's the only thing that's definitely staying. You're negotiable. I'm sorry. She is a horrible person. That is not compromise. That is her winning. That is a dictatorship. And any relationship that is based on that is stupid and does not deserve to be going on. I would agree with you if that was happening in the real world, but like none of this even occurred to me while watching the show. I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. That's funny. Relationships should be about compromise. And in this case, she won everything. Like she completely did. She stripped the whole room down and decorated it like her room at her apartment. And there was no like, hey, well, what if I did this? What if you did this? No. He basically handed over the keys to her and said, do whatever you want. And – we're supposed to all be like, oh, he's finally well, giving in. You know, one thing they've really played on this season as a, as a pattern, now that I'm thinking about it, is that Penny's with Leonard. Leonard doesn't deserve her. They both realize it. Everybody and realizes it. Everybody realizes it. So, But even Penny realizes it, and she's like, yeah, but I like the lug, but I'm just going to do whatever I want, walk all over him. He's going to let me do it. And that's essentially what they're doing. And you're right. And let's look at that for a moment. Why is it that Penny doesn't deserve him? What does Penny have going for her? She has quote unquote looks. And that's it. That's been the whole play on her from the beginning. A a fine young thing, if you will. And And he's a nerdy nerd nerd storm. Yeah. And undoubtedly a better person overall. 
Like he is more tolerant. He is nicer to his friends. He puts up with more stuff. He is a better person. She doesn't deserve him is the way I look at it. I'm pretty sure every episode they have joked that they got married because he wore her down. Yeah. Yeah. That's his one bad quality, I would say, is the stalker approach. Yep. Well, in the one where she does the uh, the D-list celebrity convention, whatever it was, he even says, "I even I even turned her down once." You know, yep. so I don't know. Either way, uh, the show is definitely better this season than last. Yes, and yes, they've definitely focused more on the the Sheldon and Amy relationship. And at first, I thought, you know, I realize that as a show grows, the characters change, but. At, there was a part of me that was thinking that Sheldon's character was changing way too much this season. Yep. From who he was and where he is. But that is actually realistically what happens when you find yourself in an amicable relationship with someone. You do change. To an extent, yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so. I, I'm, I was not happy with this episode because of the way that they were portraying that aspect. Other than that, most of it was good. I liked the house band aspect for fun with flags. That was fun. But I couldn't deal with the rest of it. It was ridiculous. Yep. Yep. Well, I don't know how many more episodes we have before all these coveted fall finales, but I'm sure the fall finale is going to be Bernadette giving birth. I don't think they're going to stretch that through the end of this season. Dude, she barely looks pregnant now. I think they'll stretch it. You think so? I do. I think that – and then they'll leave us in suspense – and come back from the summer with it being a few months old and they've already settled in and yeah, that's my thought. Well, fair enough on that. So I did watch Blacklist. Um, this week's or the week before because you hadn't watched the week before. I'm caught up. Okay. I have not watched this week's because it said part one of two and so I did not. Wait, really? Did it? Did I watch this week's then? No, I had to have watched this week's. Because I feel like when it got done, it definitely was not a part one of two episode. Hold on. Just oh, wait. Hold on. You know what? It did. Okay. Let me rephrase that. It did end in a way which left us at a cliffhanger, but it didn't leave me with that. Oh, man. I was just like, all right. Yeah. It's right here on my DVR. It says Dr. Right. Adrian Shaw part one of two. Okay. Fair enough. They did leave it sort of as, as a cliffhanger. But you did see last week's episode. I did see last week's where – well, I don't want to ruin anything now because I watched them back-to-back. So I knew <laughs> what happened when. I'm, I'm looking at my notes here. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. So what um, is this the last guy known loans- status of Agnes? She's rescued. At okay, the very so, end of the episode. <laughs> all right. Okay. So that were, okay. That was the end of that episode, not the beginning of the next. All right. So Agnes has been rescued, and Kirk has been taken into custody, and we learned that. Um, what's his they name? They did not drag it on as long as I thought they would. Right. Right. Yes. Um, and we learned that what's his name's uh, girlfriend is actually a member of the Thrushes, the greatest hacker collective in the entire yes. world. Yes. Yes, and that explains why she liked him. Mm-hmm. So now Which Samin's is really sad. It really is. I feel bad for him, but now Samin's sticking around. I just want to let you know I withdrew my my request for a transfer. Oh, you did? Yeah. Hey, let's go get something to eat. Oh, okay. Yep. So, but yeah. Which is good because, you know, he's 
it's basically like you said, you know, she only liked him to get access. Yes. That's going to be a crushing blow to his ego. Which Samin clearly likes him because she likes him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hope that works out. Me too. So, and I'm just going to say this, and I don't remember which episode is in, but it doesn't matter because it's not a huge thing, but it's a tease, I guess. Tom does bring up the fact at some point that he met his mother. Good. And that's all they talk. It's just brought up in passing. Mm -hmm. There's no big revelation. There's no anything. Just in passing, talking to Elizabeth, he says that he did, he, that he found and he met his mother. Okay. Which I still don't find her as believably being old enough to be his mother. (laughs) But so that, that, cause that, that, you know, backdoor pilot they did, that alleged spinoff series, apparently, I mean, they've, they've brought it up again. Like I thought it had gone to the wayside because we haven't seen or heard anything about it. And, Mm Him leaving Elizabeth, they haven't set up a way for that to happen realistically, um, but they kind of did there. So, gotcha. Yeah, I did not watch American Horror Story. Um, a bunch of people got killed. I'm assuming, but I'll catch up with it and talk about it next week. All right. I do want to talk about Supernatural. Okay. And Supernatural got back to the basics this week. Okay. This was a good old fashioned Monster of the Week episode. Where the only characters that we saw in this episode were Sam and Dean. The the mom was only there via text message. We didn't see Cass. We didn't see Crowley. We didn't see Rowena. We didn't see Lucifer. They talked about Lucifer briefly, that he had entered the body of Rick Springfield, and they called him a douche and on and on and on, and how terrible of a rocker he was and this and that. But primarily, it was just like an old school Monster of the Week episode where they go and try to find out why these two people were mysteriously killed based on the stigmata. And there's not even a huge religion aspect to it, even though they were killed by the stigmata. What it is is uh, we meet a girl who's a psychic like Sam was. They flashed back in the, uh, in the before all the way back to what was it, season two when Sam was uh, with those other psychic kids. Remember that? Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. So they actually flash back to that and, um, Basically what it is is you have this family with a very religious zealot mother and their daughter is a psychic and doesn't know how to use or control her powers and causes them to get into a car crash. So she believes that she's the devil and inhabited by the devil. So they move to this off-the-grid ranch type house where they chain the daughter up in the basement. Her name is Magna, by the way. All I could think of was Magna Carter the whole time. But anyways, so they she's chained up in the basement and – she accidentally kills two people that come to the house because she – while she is um, being forced to uh, recite some odd foreign language uh, religious text and she's forced to, to whip herself while doing so, uh, she thinks of them wishing they would come help her. And by doing that, she projects what's happening to her onto them and that's how they die from apparent stigmata-like issues. Uh. So, of course, you know, Sam and Dean, they discover what's going on. They rescue her. Uh, they get her out of the house. Um, you know, mom's arrested. Dad and brother get killed somehow. And uh, they let her go. And they talk about how they let her go and how was that the right decision? Like, yeah, that was definitely the right move. Um, she didn't do it on purpose. She's still learning who she is. 
and the children's services is going to be sending her because she's a minor, but I guess they're sending her unaccompanied to some sort of aunt's house in California who has this big ranch or Texas, wherever it is they're going. Um, it was California. Uh, along the way, this is at the end. This is like the end credit thing, whatever. Along the way, the bus stops and she goes off to use the bathroom. This guy in a motorcycle shows up. And we saw him earlier in the episode where he came across the the car, the the Impala, and he just looked at the license plate, saw it was the Win- Winchesters, and he kept on going. And then this time he follows the girl in the bathroom and he, he kills her. And then he reports back. He apparently is a agent from the British Men of Letters, who's been sent apparently from all what it looks to make sh- you know to to clean up the Winchesters' mess when they're not strong enough to do it themselves for whatever reason. Because apparently over in England, the way they do things is basically no mercy. If you're different, you're wrong, and you need to die. Period. Gotcha. And that's why they don't have all these issues over in England like they do have here in the States. Because over in, over in Great Britain, they know how to take care of anyone that's not norm, that's not quote unquote normal. So, and that's how it ended. But still, except for that little bit at the end, it was a good old fashioned Monster League episode. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Excellent. Yeah. I watched another new show this week, and I actually binged the first four episodes. Really? What yeah, was, it was it? It was recommended to me by my sister and by Mr. Morang, and it's called People of Earth. And I'd mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago, seeing a preview for it. I saw a com- That's a TBS show, right? Yeah. I saw a commercial for it. Yep. Um, it's good. It's basically the, the long and short of it is – it's 22 episode, 22 minute episodes, you know, it's a half hour. Uh, it's a support group for people who have not been abducted because calling them abductees is like rape shaming, um, or slut shaming, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but they are experiencers. And so they are a support group that meets in a church and they talk about some of their experiences. And this guy goes out there to do a story on them. And as he's doing it, he, comes to realize he may have been abducted at some point. And, okay. uh, and the funny thing of it is that it does have some comedic aspects. It has some serious aspects, but aliens are real and the aliens are ridiculous. They have names like Bob and Jeff and Dave and, you know, they, this is like a job to them. And, uh, it's funny to watch their interactions. It's funny to see the interactions of them when they take people up on their ship or when they – like there's one of them who looks like a Nordic guy and he's got long white hair, kind of like the elves in the uh, Hobbit movies. And he's had sex with at least two members of the group uh, on different occasions, just going down there and having sex with them or listening to them talk about their problems because he's a real good listener. And the rest of the aliens seem to hate him because – He's, you know, the good-looking one of the group. It's a fun show. It's really weird, and it's definitely something that you have to experience in order to know if you're going to like it or not. It's nothing that I could sit here and give you a hard sell on because it's so bizarre yeah. that you really have to watch it. But if you like anything to do with people getting abducted by aliens... I do enjoy that. I think that you would enjoy this. Um, I, I think that you would like it. 
you would have a fun time with it. Like I said, the fourth episode hasn't even aired on TV yet, but it was on demand up through episode four. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you about that because I went online to look it up, and it's showing only the first two episodes have aired. Yep. For some so. reason, on demand had episode three and four on there. So, um, but yeah, check it out. It's it's a good little half hour show, and if you like the alien cool. experience, yeah, I do. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I have any more shows to talk about off the top of my head. Again, I for those who don't know, I forgot my notes, so I'm going by memory. Um, I watched the second and third episodes of Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. I have not watched that yet. This show is only getting better and better. I've now watched the first episode three times, and I've watched the second episode twice and the third episode just once because it was just on last night. How many How many episodes is it supposed to be? Like I How long is the season? I, I want to say eight episodes, but I'm not 100% sure. And it's only getting better. I'm not going to give away everything because it really, again, like People of Earth, it has to be experienced. It's so, though, it's so funny and so twisted and everything is connected. That's the big message that keeps happening. Um, but the assassin is one of my favorite characters. Like she's driving out through the woods with the guy that she abducted. You remember that whole thing that I told you about where she was like yes. chasing him down? So they're driving through the woods and the car stalls out. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And <laughs> the guy looks at her and he's like, what happened? She's like, the car turned off. It turned off here. It was meant to. Cars are like that. They turn off and then they turn on again. They fix themselves. And he's like, no, they don't. Really? It's always happened that way with me. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they just get out and they're like foraging for berries and stuff. And this guy comes along on a motorcycle and he's like, Oh, I think I can fix your car. And she's like, I'm going to kill him. And he's like, no, he's trying to help us. You can't just kill him. She's like, I want to kill him. He came across my path. I need to kill him. So throughout the episode, we keep flashing back to them and he's like, Oh yeah, your carburetor's messed up. It's going to take a few hours. So he finally gets it all fixed. And they're like, thank you so much. You know, he, the guy says to him, he's like, you should run. You should get out of here. And he's like, now why would I do that? See, I'm going to kill you too. And I'm going to take your car. This is what we do. We've done this countless times to other people. Don't feel bad. So it turns out he really is a bad person. And she's like, now can I kill him? The guy's like, yes, please kill him. So we also learn that she cannot be hurt. She runs up to this guy. He fires three shots at her. None of them hit her. And then she is standing there with her forehead on the barrel of his gun and he starts pulling the trigger and it's just click, 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 click. So she takes the gun from him and beats him to death and then explains to her new partner in crime, she's like, I can't be hurt. The universe doesn't want me to be hurt. So she loads the clip, fires off into the woods, it fires a bullet, puts it to her head, pulls the trigger, click, fires into the woods, a bullet goes off, puts it to her forehead, click, and keeps doing this like three or four times to prove that every time the gun is pointed at her, it won't go off. It's amazing. It's just, it's so bizarre, and I love it. I will have to check that out. That's going to be anything my watch, much, must <laughs> watch. so good. It, there's just, and it, you have to watch it. You have to watch everything, because I've seen the first episode three times, and I'm still picking new stuff up out of it. It's so good. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, let's see. I watched a movie. Other than the uh, Free State of Jones? I watched The Purge election year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did Did you lose a bet or did you do it on purpose? No, I, 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 like, the, I like the first two movies. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, so this was weird. They had – there's only been – so there was one character that's been in all three flicks. The guy, right? No. This, this, it's a guy called – in the first two, he was called The Stranger. Okay. He didn't have a major role. Uh, he just kind of helped the uh, the people – it was kind of weird. He had a minor role in the first two, and the third one he has a bigger expanded role, and they explain who he is, what he is, what he's doing. Okay. Um, the only other character to appear in more than one flick is Frank 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 Grillo. Is that yep. the actor's name? Yeah. Uh, he was a police lieutenant in the second one. Now he's a member of the Secret Service in the third one. And essentially the storyline is this. You have a sitting U.S. senator who is a top candidate to become the new president of the United States, and the thing that she wants to do the most is repeal the the purge laws. Yep. And she's essentially promised that when she gets into office, if she's elected, when she gets into office, that's the first thing she's going to do and use her executive power to do. And there's a lot of people that like that. And there's a lot of people that don't, including the quote unquote new founding fathers who this year decide to re uh, to raise the ban. Cause apparently in the years past during the purge, there was a list of people that could not be purged. Because they're deemed important to society or whatever. And okay. this year they raised that ban and got rid of it. And essentially it was a ruse, a ruse. Yeah, a ruse. So they could kill the senator, this Charlie Roan, who's a woman. And I can't remember the actress's name, but she was on, um. Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell, yes. Yes. She was on Lost. She was on, uh, I keep wanting to say Flashpoint, but it's not Flashpoint. Revolution. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Revolution. She was on that Flash something show, wasn't she? Uh, flash Forward? Yeah, Flash Forward. Wasn't she on that? Uh, she might have been. Anyways. She, she's definitely one of my celebrity crushes. Yeah. So anyway, so she plays the senator, and essentially she's going to hold up in her house, and uh, Frank Grillo's team turns on them, and now they're out and exposed, and they meet people that want to help them, including this guy named The Stranger, and ultimately she gets abducted and by the people, the founding fathers that want her killed, and then they, she gets rescued, and on and on and on, and then ultimately at the end she's elected president, and she's stated she's going to repeal the purge. Okay. And so no more movies. <laughs> essentially, yeah, they've, they've ended the franchise. The only way they could do any movies going forward is if they go back in time. Gotcha. And they prequels. Or do it but in you, a different country. Well, that was one thing they talked about in this country is the purge is only happening in the United States. This is United States. It's so like you would have people, they call them like uh, killer tourism. Because these people would come in from other countries as tourists to the United States during the purge so they could participate. Gotcha. And this one definitely had like – all right. So the first one was basically all took place in the confines of this one house. And then the second one was an on-the-road purge thing where they're stuck out there. And now the third one's the same type of storyline. But this one was the most over-the-top one of all of them as far mm -hmm. as like – Antics, if you will, like in the previous ones, people wore masks or had costumes or did whatever, you know, weird oddball things that they did during the purge because they couldn't they could get away with it. And then this was amped up to a thousand with some of these characters and the costumes they wore and how they acted and on and on and on. It was just gotcha. Some parts were a bit absurd. Overall, though, wasn't a bad flick. Um I enjoyed it. It's kind of a good background flick, I guess. And if you like the first two, then there's no reason why you shouldn't watch this one. Cool. Yeah. I only watched one movie this week. What'd you watch? I watched 
Doctor Strange. I want to go see that. I won't go into detail because you haven't seen it, and probably a lot of people haven't seen it yet. It just came out this yeah. weekend. Um, I will say broad strokes only, it was yes. great. Yep. It was awesome. Did you see it? Did you see it in 3D or standard? I saw it in 3D. Um, I'm not sure. Like, there were a lot of effects in here that were very three-dimensional. I yep. didn't notice a uh, a big switch. You know, like sometimes yep. you'll see 3D stuff where it's like it feels like it's coming out of the screen at you and it feels kind of gimmicky. I did yep. not feel that way here. Um, yep. I felt that the 3D was awesome. Uh, but this was the first Marvel movie without any guns in it. That's interesting. It, it was one of the director's uh, standard stipulations. He said, you know, the least magical thing out there is a gun, so we don't want yeah. guns. And it's yeah. true. Um, but some of the CG effects got a little cheesy, you know, like when they were jumping between, like, the side of a building to the ground. You could definitely tell it was CG, and it was like, yeah. eh. But it was a great story. It was a great origin story. It was so much fun. I wanted to get out of the movie and go back and watch it again. Nice. The humor was spot on and it yep. was it was rather plentiful. Good humor, sometimes a little slapsticky, but it was still well done. Uh nice. yes, there's a Stanley cameo. Of uh, course. Yes, it sets up not only Doctor Strange's position in the Marvel universe, but in some deeper respects uh for later on. And uh it was just awesome. It was good. so well done. So definitely good. No hesitation. Go out, watch it. You know, I'm ready to see it like five more times myself, but nice. Yep. Nice. That's the only well, that's, movie that's, I watched, so. that's awesome though. Like that you have that positive reaction over it. Yes. 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 Cool. 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 Cause it was, you know, it's unlike, I mean like with a lot of the Marvel properties, obviously the Marvel title puts a lot of stake into them. However, it has been shown that the Marvel name alone is not enough to get people to come and watch the movie when it's not a Marvel Studios film. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. But like Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one they did of really not well-known characters or mm-hmm. not hugely popular in the comic books. And that did phenomenally well, obviously. Yeah. And now to me, Doctor Strange is that second – like. Going out on a limb with this one, you mm-hmm. know, for for the casual comic fans, you know. Yep. So, but nice. And, and for nice. those who happen to be ignorant of this, I, I won't blame you, but there were people in my theater. There are two PS scenes. There's one partway through the credits and one at the very end of the credits. And Stay why people both. leave during a Marvel movie before the – without seeing the film actually shut off, I don't understand. Dude, these people, like, they sat right there. Not a person moved until the first PS. They watched it, and then they all started getting up and leaving. And I said right out loud, I'm like, why are they leaving? What is wrong with them? But, oh, well, they're lost. Yeah, people are foolish. Yeah. People are foolish. So, so cool, good awesome. This week? You know what? Not a one. Not a one I can think of. What about Life. The new movie with Matt Damon and uh, a bunch of other people in space looks very dramatic. It's coming out nope. Memorial Day of next year, and they just put a trailer out for it now. I think I've, I've heard some scuttlebutt about it, but I, I didn't see anything. Check it out. It's good. It, it looks very suspenseful. It looks like an alien kind of thing. Yeah. You know, not just because they find the first proof of life beyond Earth, you know, it's some microorganism, but... Because it feels like it has that atmosphere of the original alien, you know, very suspenseful, very scary. 
Well, I like that. <laughs> there was uh there was a trailer for Lego Batman. The final trailer. And that's just gonna be fun. Cool. And I gotta say this. Uh before Doctor Strange there was a trailer for the third triple X movie. Uh, and if you haven't seen this trailer, this is so ridiculous, I was literally hollering in the theater, What? What? At one point, he drives a motorcycle into the ocean, and a ski comes out of the front wheel and straps itself under the front wheel so that he can pilot his motorcycle like a jet ski. It is so ridiculous, literally makes the two Charlie's Angels reboot movies with Cameron Diaz and Drew Barrymore, makes them look toned down. It wow. was so bad. I, it, Meringue was sitting next to me laughing hysterically because he had, at first he had said, Oh, this is going to be great. And I was like, Really? And then one of the first shots is him using downhill skis, like actual wintertime downhill skis on rocky terrain in a jungle. And I said, What? Yeah, no, that and doesn't it, sound good. It never stops. So it's going to be terrible. That's yeah, my prediction. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. I got to go to work anyways. Cool. And uh, you've got to oh, edit and go to go to bed. Yeah. 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 Cool. 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 So uh, thanks for listening. Once again, if you'd like to reach out, you can find me on the uh, the old Twitter machine at SuperstarML. The show is at What Did You Watch? Facebook is also uh, What Did You Watch This Week? And I'm on Twitter as well, at the Quantum Geek G33K. And, uh, yeah, until next time. Later, everybody. Later.